It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Brought to you exclusively on KISS FM by J. Michael. Fashion for everyone. Good morning. Happy Monday, Sandy. Hello. Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. How are you guys doing? All right. What do you have for us this morning? All right. So if you are a Honduran national, pay attention. The um, authorities from the Honduras Institute of Immigration, um, Instituto Nacional de Migración, are here um, providing assistance to anyone who needs to renew any of their official documents, including passports and so on. So just take in your birth certificate. They're also, um, apparently they have a new national ID that a lot of people may not yet have. And so you can um, apply and get that as well. So they will be located at the Seaman Seafarers Hall right there on off of Victory Drive in uh, Prospect. Mm. So stop by today, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. today. Uh, they're taking tomorrow off on Tuesday, and then they're back Wednesday and Thursday. So pretty much all day for a couple more days this week. They were there this weekend also. And, yeah, go get your documents all sorted out. All right. One Thank of the is of the new uh, female president of Honduras, Madam Ziomara Castro. So UK, since we're in the topic of uh, official documents, the UK passport office workers are set to strike for five weeks. Mm. So not a good thing if you're one of those people who have to send off your documents, um, whether you're renewing your UK or your Cayman passport. Remember, they both go to the UK office. So they are striking over pay, what they say are jobs, pay, and work conditions. And um, so that's coming up, um, you know, any minute now, April. This isn't the first uh, group of people in the UK to strike either. A lot of people have yeah. been striking yeah. uh, for uh, wages and things. Was it the subway, uh, the tube, or the absolutely? Yeah, yeah. Not so long ago. Honestly, people have been striking all over the world. As pilots and, and uh, yeah, whatever. All right, one one final story. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a young man who was found guilty of robbing a hell gas station back um, last year. And uh, he robbed it with a uh, imitation Imitation. firearm, yeah, Yeah. a toy gun, basically. So Mm -hmm. not too smart in his. Well, I don't know. I -hmm. think they don't really care if it's imitation, but um, yes. So this little kid um, is going to be, you know, going to jail for quite some time. He looks like he's 13 years old when you look at his photo. But anyway, Um, which is which? There is a law against uh, having an imitation firearm. So yes, they they take it very very seriously. Has he been sentenced yet? Nope, just found guilty. Gotcha. We'll keep y'all updated and sentenced. All right. We'll catch that and more coming up on Sandy's show this morning on this Monday on Bobo 89.1 FM. We'll see you tomorrow for the Tuesday. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You You too. too. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Bigger. Bigger. Better. Better. Bolder. Bolder. The cold, hard truth is taking talk to the next level. Right here on Bobo 89.1 FM, Cayman's Community Radio. We are still spilling the tea. And committed to being part of the change that Cayman so desperately needs. Join Sandy Hill weekdays from 7.30 a.m. for Premier Access, Cayman Voices, Truthful Thursdays, and much more. Cayman's number one talk show is now bigger, bigger, better, better, bolder, older, and more than talk. Getting results with hot topics, consumer reports, court exposés, and more. I've come to set the record I've come to shine the light on you. 
Let me introduce myself I am the cold heart Now, from the CMR studio in Grand Cayman, live, direct, it's the cold hard truth. Now, now, join the conversation on 345-936-2626. That number again is morning good morning beautiful people where is everybody this morning rise and shine i see you guys are slow moving i can tell i'm looking i'm checking you out and i see you guys are taking your time getting up this morning do i have to play my wake up song today really who's here with me y'all boy look scott's here scott says morning sandy happy monday happy monday scott how are you First Lady Jayanne is here saying good morning to everyone and wishing everyone a blessed day. Ms. Vernita is also here. And she says, have a blessed day and be good to one another. Yes. Good morning, Cayman. Such a beautiful day. Let me have a look outside. Yes. My weather report this morning says foolish sunshine and a few scattered clouds. <laughs> That's not the official weather. If you want the official weather, stay tuned. Uh, we've got Kevin. Wattler coming up here towards the end of the show. And Kevin always gives us all the details on temperature and chances of rain. And guess what? We had some beautiful rain showers over the weekend. And um, I love rain. Does anybody else love rain? I love rain because you know what? We wouldn't appreciate the sunshine without the rain. And I, I think that, you know, hey, as long as I can stay inside, I'm okay with the rain. Who misses the days of, uh, we were talking about this last night, who misses the days of the zinc roofs? Oh, that's when you heard the little pitter-patter on the roof and you would just like curl up and you could sleep. Can we get some fake sounding zinc roof? Like you kind of don't really want the zinc roof during storms or whatever. Although some of those zinc roofs now, they held up pretty well, I must say. But um, I wouldn't mind like a little instrument outside my bedroom window that sounded like a zinc roof when it rained. And you could hear that little sound that is reminiscent of life growing up in the Cayman Islands. Janetta is in the house. Good morning to the beautiful Janetta saying good morning. Uh, Tamasha is Tanasha, sorry, is here. Good morning to you. Jim, good morning, Jim. How are you? Andrea is in the house. Miss Pauline is here saying good morning to everyone and everyone blessed. Good morning. Richard is here. Hello, Richard. Wee Wee's in the house. Felicia, who else? Who else is with me? Uh, Andrea says present teacher. Marshall is present as well. So how was your weekend? Um, we're going to do a deep dive into all the weekend events. There's a couple of stories that I've got trending for you folks, um, including this whole situation with TikTok. Like I'm still doing some reading up on it because I, of course, want to inform you guys about it from an informed position. And there's a lot to kind of unpack with what's happening with TikTok, but it is very, very interesting. Believe me, you. Sanya, good morning to you. Beautiful. How are you? Damien is here. Now, um, I need to, I feel like I need to do a giveaway today. I'm looking around to see what I can give away. <laughs> According to my husband, I'm always giving stuff away. 
Anything he can't find, he swears I've given it away. You donated something else again. And I'm just like, mm, I don't think so. And then something he's been looking for forever, lo and behold, I found it this weekend. I, I knew I didn't give that away. But he's always like, you gave everything away. And I'm like, no, I'm not. So I feel like I need to give something away. Oh, some gift certificates. Got my little bag of goodies here. I still got tons of Waffle Monkey gift certificates. Thank you, Scott. So we can continue to give those away. Free donut and coffee. You can pop in there for breakfast. Yes, why not? Um, ooh, I think I need to stock up on some gift certificates, y'all. I'm a little bit low at the moment. All right. So let me try and get some gift certificates. But here's a question for you. What happened? Three years ago, what happened today? I think it's actually today, today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Anybody remember? Give me a call. 936-BOBO. 936-2626 is the telephone number. If you would like to um, let us know what you think. Anybody wanting to wager a guess? What happened three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yes, honey child. So I'm getting some new honey child mugs made. Um, I have some and I'm, I'm still tweaking the design. So I'm playing around with the design. I had my designer do some that the honey child is like dripping with honey. I'm going to show it to you guys and see what you think. Mm, anybody? Anybody? Come on, y'all. Wake up now. Y'all are asleep this morning. My goodness. My goodness, honey child. All right. I'll keep the question open while we continue talking about other things. Oh, here we go. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Hello, beautiful. What's your guess this morning? <laughs> um. We went into lockdown. Yes, honey child, we sure did. Oh my gosh, do you remember it? Do you remember the moment you got the news? Oh yeah. Oh, what were you doing? <laughs> Me, I can't. I can't even remember right now what I was doing, but <laughs> I know I I got the news that we were going into lockdown. But the thing about it, even though we were locked down, I had to go to work every day. Oh my gosh, where do you work? <laughs> yeah. I um I was walking down by the the visa extension counter at CBC, so oh. I still had to go to work. Yeah, you were an we essential were worker. Yeah, essential um. worker. Yeah, that's what I am, and we were helping with the government with other things. Right. Yeah. Yes, my dear. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I'm gonna find a gift certificate, and I'm gonna put some little stuff together for you. And uh, I've got your number. Okay. So I'll hook you okay. up. All right, honey. Thank you so much. All right. Much. Thank you. All right, Thank love. you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. I feel like I need to be giving y'all some, some food vouchers too while we're at it <laughs> because listen, times are tough around, you know, you know, so the best gift you can give people is a bag of groceries. <laughs> Trust and believe. Um, but I'll get you, I'll get you a little packet put together, honey. Don't you worry. Um, mm-hmm. So Yes, three years ago, we went into lockdown. And I tell you what, life will never be the same ever again. Oh, my goodness. It was just an unbelievable time. Like recalling 
all of those memories. And um, of course, there were rumors, you know, kind of like leading up to that. I'm trying to remember exactly how I found out that we were going into lockdown. Mm, I think I knew pretty early. And of course, the government would have made a big announcement about that. And uh, yeah, what trying times, March of 2020. Wow. What, what, can, what can we do? Wow. Just unbelievable, right? I tell you what, it was uh, a time that brought, I think, a lot of people um, together. So, you know, we found out that we had local transmission. First, we heard about the case. Remember, the, the then premier was a little bit sketchy, honey, Chell, and how he was initially handling the COVID situation. That's why I was a bit surprised, I must admit, when he got knighted and got all this, all these accolades, um, you know, for handling the COVID situation, because he didn't start out in a very good foot. But it just reminds me how much we forget. The brain has a way of protecting us, I think, from bad events. And it also, especially when you really, really like someone, it makes you forget all of the bad things that they've done. That's why some of y'all remarry the same person. <laughs> you, ever, you know somebody who's done that? Like they divorce someone or they break up with someone, then they go back to them. Some of y'all keep going back to the same bad nightmare over and over and over again. And it's like, mm, you broke up with them initially for a good reason. And y'all still like, oh, I only remember the good times now. Let's try it again. That's the brain. The brain protects you from trauma uh, as much as it can. So um, back in March of 2020, we had um, a number of situations. The first person came off that cruise ship. And uh, you know, then there was Jamaica turning away another cruise ship. And I remember when that story went up that then Premier um, Alden McLaughlin says that CMR was fear-mongering and we were not to be believed and we were making stuff up. And people were actually sending me screenshots from his, uh, he's in one of these groups, these WhatsApp groups, I think it's Prospect or whatever. So people were sending me screenshots from what he was saying, which I found to be very, very interesting. And he was like, you know, they're fear-mongering. Don't believe Sandy and what she has to say. Blah, 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 blah. Um, somebody's asking me if I'm not on air. Should be. As far as I know. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so, yes. Um, I said, all right. I said, y'all sit there talking about fear-mongering. I have never seen a ship. Now, I'm no shipping expert. Let me be very, very clear. But the amount of time that the ship took to get from Jamaica to Cayman, because Jamaica turned the ship back. Let me just double check our stream. Let me listen one quick second. Make sure we're live, honey gel. I figure we are because nobody else has said anything. Yeah, we're live. Yep. Oh, strange. Um, right. So... The amount of um, the time that it took that ship to come from, she's looking for the link one second here, to come from Jamaica to Cayman, they must have put that in full throttle. And I don't know what sort of um, speed she was doing, but it must have been like full throttle, 
put it in extra gear and book it to the Cayman Islands because she came here within hours from Jamaica to Grand Cayman at night. You know, they thought they were trying to pull a little fast one. I think it was an Italian ship, right? And so we were like, hold on a second now, honey, chill. What's the ship doing out in our shores? And we put that story up. And I, I don't, I will never forget the massive number of people that um, were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jamaica turns you away and you come here in record time trying to come off on our shores. Hold on a second. Should we be thinking about this? And I'm trying to find the, um, so March the 1st, we had the first confirmed cases of COVID in the Caribbean, in the region. Yeah. And then by um, the second, we had rumors in Cayman that were initially being denied of the first coronavirus case. Yep. Then we went from rumors to confirmation. Yes. And um, customers were stockpiling stuff by the six, honey gel. Fosters, I this is what I'm just going through some of our headlines from March of 2020. Fosters limits disinfectant products as customers stockpile. Y'all were already going crazy and stockpiling stuff. Um, other news within that same day, uh, Premier Panton and Ozzy Baden had resigned from the progressives. Mm-hmm. That was interesting news. Americans warned to cancel cruise travel by the 8th, and they were still going on cruise ships on each other. They were not business. Um, the 9th, Caribbean princess cancels call to Cayman. Mm-hmm. By the 9th, we had five suspected COVID cases that were sent out for testing. By the 10th, Jamaica confirmed it, its first coronavirus case, and we knew it was only a matter of time, honey child. I was like, here we go. Then Honduras confirmed the following day, two cases of COVID. And uh, the headline on the 11th says COVID-19, now a pandemic as locals become increasingly concerned. Now, you know what was interesting about this is we were covering this situation from February, you know, we knew that there was a virus out there and it was like weird and something was going on. And I remember we were the first media in Cayman, patting myself on the back a little bit here. I'm going to pull a, a George Ebanks on y'all. Um, we were the first to actually talk about and write about this pandemic. Because there was something about it when I was reading it. I'm like, hmm, this feels different. Yeah. So February the 18th, Honduras has first suspected case of coronavirus, but we were reporting about this, I want to say, maybe as early as even late January. Yes. So um, it was definitely something to watch and something that was on the radar. And we were very much paying attention over here. Mm-hmm. Yes, honey, chill. So, you know, we eventually obviously went to lockdown. That ship did not make its call on the Cayman Islands after all. 
because, um, yep, here we are. February the 3rd, we did a story about a high-risk traveler who had quarantined herself because nothing was in place yet. Y'all talking about give somebody a, a um, sir knighthood because they handle things well. Well, in February, we were reporting that a lady had traveled directly from China. Yes, was able to come through the airport, was up in the bank doing bank deposits and all sorts of stuff. She's a Chinese resident, but it's married to Caymanian. And uh, there was no quarantining in place. So she came on Friday, January 31st and came in a race kick 793 after being in China from December the 13th. And she was there and she came via New York, China to New York to Grand Cayman. My dear honey child, she showed up and uh, went to the bank, was doing her business as usual. And there were people even in her own family who were like, oh, this is a little bit concerning. Why is she walking around out there? And the government had nothing in place. Zero, zilch, nada. Mm-hmm. So um, there was that. Uh, by January 30th, the World Health Organization had already declared coronavirus a global emergency. So we should have had things in place, but we were not. Come on now, we were not, we were not ready. We were not ready. I'm trying to find the, the story with the ship. That must have been in January. That must have been earlier than I'm actually thinking now. Um, but yes, you know, our government was kind of like, no, we're not going to worry about it. See, we reported on the 21st of January, the first U.S. case of deadly Chinese virus confirmed. I don't even know if we were calling it coronavirus then. But we were reporting on this in early January. And... Um, Y'all were just like, oh, we're good over here. So let's talk about this because it's one of the things that, unfortunately, we um, will always have to remember as a critical time in our history, not just us in Cayman, but we as a global community, the entire world, quite frankly, um, and I feel like, have we learned any lessons? Have there been any takeaways? So there was an Italian ship on lockdown that was on the 30th. And of course there were ships going, um, listen, the cruise ship industry is the worst. Can I just tell y'all? They, they were, they did not care. Not in any way, shape or form. They knew there was this virus out there and they were still doing the most, booking tours, um, all of that, and didn't really care. Yeah? So, oh yes, let me show you all this story. Hold on. This was a story now where Alden was out there complaining that we were fear-mongering and this, that, and the next thing. So they were booking all these cruise ships and people were getting stuck on cruise ships out in the open sea with, they were literally dying and they were hiding the bodies on the ship and kind of downplaying a lot of what was happening. There were so many people that lost their lives in the early days on these cruise ships, in my opinion, quite unnecessarily, if it was not for corporate greed. So th these were the cruise ships that just didn't care about life. It was 
profits over people, right? So this cruise ship now is the one that was finally denied entry on February the 25th. We had done a story about it on um, the 20, earlier that day, saying the MSC uh, Miraviglia was headed to Cayman after Jamaica had denied it entry. And this was a story now, I believe that we did, that Premier, um, let me just see, at the time, Premier Alden McLaughlin basically said he didn't see what the big deal was. We're fear-mongering, don't worry about it. But I can tell you something, this particular story um, went viral. And I do mean, when I say viral, I do mean viral. Uh, a lot of people were very, very concerned about the ship and why our government wasn't doing anything. And they were asking him questions. And so in his group, this is what he said. Oh, I love me some receipts, honey chill. Let me tell y'all something. Always have your receipts in order. When people come to you, because memories will fail. People remember, you know, I see something. I remember one set of events. Somebody else sees something. They remember another set of events. You know, people have a way of um, filtering life through their own glossy lenses or their own lenses of choice. But when you have your receipts, you can't question receipts, honey, Joe. You'd be like, oh, you sure that that's the, you sure that's actually what happened? Are you sure that's how it actually went? I don't know about that. It's like last week when Quincy called me. I'm like, oh, Quincy, please. I beg you to come off the phone, honey, child, because I don't want to be pulling out no receipts. So, you know, they don't they don't need to listen to me, honey, child. They'd be like, oh, no, Miss Sandy, like she don't know what's going on. So um, this cruise ship finally denied entry. But here is what Alden McLaughlin said in his Prospect Red Bay community group. Um, so somebody sent the message that this is a, there is a voice note floating around saying that a cruise ship was refused entry to Ochi Rios before, because there's a case of coronavirus on board. The ship is due to dock here tomorrow. Can any of our representatives confirm or dispute this? The funny thing about it is, like I said, it was set to come the following day, but it came here that night. What did I just tell you? Profits over people. So when it came here that night, quite interestingly enough, uh, they were hell-bent on getting approval that night to, to disembark. They were ready. They were at the port. Now, you know cruise, cruise ships don't come into Cayman at night. Where are you getting off at night and going? But they wanted the port to sign off, the port authority. Yes, they were pressuring them. Oh, we're here. Hurry up and sign off. Because they came here in record time um, from Jamaica. Anyway, this story had well over 10,000 reads by the time it was posted. Alden McLaughlin then said the following. He says, it's not true. Look at how sure this man was. During a pandemic that would turn the world upside down, topsy-turvy, his ego is bigger than... Mm, came in Brack for sure. And this is what he said. He said, it's not true. He was tested and it is a case of influenza A. However, we're taking all possible precautions and the CMO is currently getting travel history, et cetera. 
and or will err on the side of caution. And if it is considered that there is any risk at all, the ship will be asked not to call in the morning. The ship was here that night, y'all. And I can tell you that you guys were on Alden and he was telling y'all, oh, it's fear mongering. It's this, it's that, it's blah, blah, blah. See the ship there? The ship came in that night, honey child, at dusk. Look, yeah. She came in so fast. And I was like, why? Why are you getting here so fast? Well, hmm. yep. Turns out the Jamaicans had a right to turn her away. Positive for COVID. Yeah. And meanwhile, our premier is like, eh, don't y'all worry about it. We got you. It took a whole other month for us to go, go into lockdown because we were just not ready. Ah, y'all need to be careful and keep your receipts, honey child, because in four years, all of y'all will forget all about the pandemic and you'll be like, oh, yes, Alden saved us from COVID. <laughs> I was like, did he really? He, he did the easiest thing in the world, which was actually to lock us down. Lockdown is relatively easy to do. Opening up as safely as possible is a whole other situation. So I was reading this article this morning, uh, Daily Chatter. Listen to this. So it talked about how three years ago, people all around the world were going into lockdown. Businesses were shuttered, school, government offices, all sorts of institutions, um, hallmarks of everyone's lives completely disrupted, right? Thank God that we had vaccines and other measures that helped to reduce, certainly didn't eliminate uh, the fears surrounding the virus. But what have we learned? Three years on, the question is, what have we learned? I see people on social media now still stirring the pot about, oh, they forced me to get vaccinated. You're alive because somebody mandated vaccines. Thank God for that. You should be thankful. And here you are complaining. Oh, we should have never been forced to do it. Do you know how many lives have been lost just in the United States of America because of vaccine hesitancy? I want to say, let me double check, but I believe it's a couple hundred thousand people that are dead because of this vaccine, hula, blah, 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 fear mongering and whatever, right? And it's really sad because you all do not appreciate what the rest of the world went through as it relates to COVID. We've had so few deaths in this country. And it is because we were like, when that vaccine became available, start pushing that vaccine and start mandating it. Employers like, you need to get vaccinated. You're not coming up in my workplace unless you're vaccinated. So you should be thanking everybody that there were vaccine, um, you know, mandates in place in this country. It's quite sad because there's good research to show that a lot of people died because of vaccine hesitancy, in particular, the COVID-19 vaccine. There is a abstract piece on this in the um, National Library of Medicine. That's the National Center for Biotechnology Information. And they talk about vaccine hesitancy in the era of COVID-19. Could lessons from the past help in divine, divining the future? Um, I want to see if I can get a number of people, because I know I've heard a number, and I believe if my memory serves me correctly, but I want to make sure I get this right. 
that it is a couple hundred thousand people, like the lives that could have been saved if more people had gotten vaccinated during the early days. Uh, I'll see if I can find the exact number and let you guys know, but this is really sad. You know, we don't appreciate what it did. Um, there is also COVID-19 vaccine hesitancy survey report. This is by UNICEF. Um, let me see if I can. This is specific to the Caribbean though, Trinidad, Barbados, and so on. Um, but you know, hospitals were inundated with, um, hot, hot. let me see. Hospitals were inundated with, with just dead bodies. They were just piling up. I mean, it was just, it, it was, I don't think any of us can imagine what it was like. And we had, big shout out to Kevin, we had physicians on here who were on the front line. We had EMTs, like people who were in the front line saying, Caymanians, believe me when I tell you that this coronavirus is no joke. Don't play with your lives um, because you will lose it without a doubt. And even here, one of the biggest anti-vaccinators, anti, anti, is that the right word? Is that what you call someone, an anti-vaccinator? No, an anti-vaxxer. Yes, anti-vaxxer. You know, she died, ironically enough, because of her beliefs. Someone who was high risk, had diabetes. And everything made you high risk with this coronavirus. This is one of the most unusual viruses that has ever come to the fore. It impacts every major organ, your brain, everything. Even mild cases of COVID, they're saying that your brain is just not the same. There are people who are dealing with long-haul COVID, who has memory fog and fatigue and all sorts of stuff as a result of getting the vaccine, the, as a result of getting the virus. So it wasn't even just a matter of, um, okay, you know, you're going to um, survive it. It's if you survived it, um, you might also not have the best outcome in terms of your overall health. It's just unbelievable. So um, the world went into lockdown. You know, obviously there's still questions about the origin of this. Um, you know, scientists said that it first appeared in this uh, Hunan seafood wholesale market in Wuhan, China in late December of 2019. Although there's some who believe it might've even been November of 2019. Um, there are theories which are gaining some credibility in terms of it actually came out of um, a lab leak, so zoonotic transmission, and a lab leak are some theories that are um, being explored. And there, it has been a report in Al Jazeera, for example, that really lends some uh, possibility about that. So I can always share the link about how that got started. It's a very interesting read. Um, and, you know, Microsoft founder Bill Gates, poor him, he was being blamed for all the people who believed in the conspiracy theories were blaming him for wanting to somehow vaccinate the world because he's got some big plot to, I don't know, vaccinate you and save your life. Like, why on earth would Bill Gates want to save your life? You know, uh, the the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does a lot of um, quite quite amazing work. And it's so funny that 
when people who have financial means actually help communities, they become part of a conspiracy theory. If they did nothing, if they were self-serving and spent all their money on fast cars and frivolous stuff, y'all would be complaining that, oh, rich people don't care about the poor and they don't want to do anything. They want to help people. And when they do help, they become the demons. They become demon demonized as, um, oh, they're evil. They want to vaccinate the whole world. There's this big conspiracy theory. And I could not believe for the world of me, you know, I had friends and acquaintances who I thought had good common sense who were buying into all of these things, all these theories and anti, um, what's the guy's name there in the US, their, their top medical guy. I mean, I was just flabbergasted and shocked by the way at how many people were happy to believe all of these conspiracy theories. I mean, some of them were so far-fetched and so crazy. And I just sat back and watched. And I think it certainly opened my eyes to a large extent about people in general, some of the people I thought I knew, and, um, you know, how you were vilified on both ends, I suppose, if you took a position. I take the position on the side of science. I mean, forgive me, but I'm no expert, but there are people who are. So when people were talking about, you know, the vaccine, and I said, the technology for this MNRA vaccine has been around for 25 plus years, and you can go and research that and you can look it up. And those of you who won't believe that, I was like, just go read the research. Don't believe me. Don't believe anything I have to say. Go read it. It's there. El Ray, thank you. He says the best one was COVID-19 was being spread by mobile 5G technology. You know, when I was in New York in um, January, I told you guys, my husband has a cousin there. And I guess that's considered upstate New York. It's some small little town, honey, Jim. And um, she, li- I mean, this town is so tiny. It, make- it makes Cayman look like a big city, right? I was like, there's still parts of America that look like this. I went into the police station. It looked like it was one room. All the officers were standing there. I'm like, hi, I'm from the Cayman Islands. I just want to see the inside of your police station because they have like maybe 10, 15 officers and that's it for the whole little town. I was like, wow, this is so weird. So it was a small little town and I was talking to Dee Dee, uh, Marlon's cousin. And she said to me how there's a lawyer, go figure, who lived in the town and she keeps suing the town over this 5G technology. El Ray, you reminded me of the story. So she is refusing. Because when I would try to call Didi, I'm like, Didi, why doesn't the phone service work here? Like, you guys have the worst phone service I've ever seen. This is the United States of America. I'm thinking, y'all should have, K-Man should have nothing on y'all. Like, you should have the best internet, the best Wi-Fi signals, everything. I'm like, what is going on in this town of yours? This is like, I feel like I'm 50 years ago. She's like, well... We can't get decent cell service in this town because there is one person who believes that this 5G, mobile 5G technology is going to kill her and everybody else. So she keeps suing the town. And the town, she thinks that she can sue the town into bankruptcy, basically, right? So she keeps suing the town. The town has no money to be hiring all these lawyers and fighting her. And so because of her litigation, The town has not been able to get, thank you, Everton, Dr. Fauci. The town has not been able to get decent internet service, um, 
decent uh, Wi-Fi, uh, not Wi-Fi, my apologies, um, cellular service. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? And she said, no. And this woman sues about everything. Like she wants people to live in the 1800s. I'm like, damn, I couldn't live here. You see how these people in the fringes can make your life so miserable? No, sir. What? So the only reason they have decent internet service, like fiber, is because they're very close to a naval base. And the American government is like, listen, don't mess with us. A naval base gets certain priority things. And so they allowed a single provider. There's no competition in this area, by the way. So they allowed a single provider to trunk the fiber through to the naval base. And because the town is like adjacent to the naval base, basically, the town has good fiber as well. I was like, wow, that is so cray cray, crazy. Yeah, one person. Oh, my God. So Everton says, yes, the vaccine was always there. All they had to do was tweak it. And uh, they do it with all vaccines. Whenever you have a virus, vaccines are available. Well, this particular one, this particular type of vaccine um, had been studied. It's been used in over 10, for over 10 years in cancer research and other things. I mean, really, vaccines are the way to go, um, you know, most likely with cancer treatments of the future and tweaking your, your um, most basic, you know, DNA is how we're going to get the cure to a lot of these things. So good morning to Miss Brenda. She says that, are you aware that we still have people in the Cayman Islands that believe no one died in the U S from the virus? <laughs> They're saying that those body bags didn't have bodies in them. And until today, people are still refusing the vaccine. It, it is shocking. Miss Brenda, and I do see um, people who uh, continue to have this debate and continue to argue about it. And I thought, wow, I really thought that the evidence now should silence all of these people, but they love a conspiracy. And it's the same people, the same people jump up about the national ID. The same people jump up about all these really bizarre and weird theories. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You have nothing else to do but to think the world is one big conspiracy. But yes, some of you are noting in, in the comment section that um, all of a sudden they jumped on uh, getting the vaccine once they had to travel. Oh, when it came down to shopping, all of a sudden they were like, oh yes, I got to go to Miami now. It's like, uh, that's the same vaccine you claim was going to kill you, honey child. What are you going shopping for? But in the United States of America, well, they finally just lifted it, but they were like, you better get vaccinated if you're planning to come here. Mm. Mm -mm. Wow. Oh, what a mess. I think there were a lot of lessons that were learned. Uh, one of the big, big issues, of course, is the fact that um, when it comes to uh, vaccine hesitancy. There's regular childhood vaccines that people, you know, I saw people arguing with me about the COVID vaccine who themselves had been vaccinated for other stuff. And when I started talking about the fact that, okay, you're 30 something years old, 40 something years old, you were vaccinated for all sorts of things in your youth, polio and all sorts of other things that you had no choice in, no choice. And here's the irony of it. Those vaccines you knew less about. They had less of a 
trial period. They have le- they had less research behind them. All of that, and you still were vaccinated with them, and you're still alive, and you're still a okay, and not killing nobody really. And there was no vaccine hesitancy back then because governments basically told you you had no choice because they were trying to save lives and they were trying to stop transmission of very very deadly diseases around the world. There is a concept of vaccine uh, inequity, which basically means that not everyone gets equal access to vaccines. I was flabbergasted to understand that even here in Cayman, in some countries, vaccine um, stockpiles were going to waste because of this vaccine hesitancy. Jamaica and other countries were having to dump and throw away because, you know, vaccines have a shelf life. They were having to dump and throw away vaccine that other people in the world were literally dying for. And I thought, wow, isn't that sad? Vaccine inequities results in 1.3 million, million, 1.3 million preventable deaths worldwide every single year. And you have countries who are profiteering around vaccines. And when it comes to that happening during a catastrophe, you know, the world has a moral obligation to ensure that vaccines can reach every place in the world as much as possible. But unfortunately, one of the really real serious concerns is if you are trying to push for vaccine uh, equity, right? Equal access. And countries like Africa who believe, you know, a lot of them believe if you have sex with a virgin child that you can cure yourself of AIDS and all kind of foolishness, right? Those are the same people who are going to not want to believe in the vaccine, just like some of the Americans. So the argument is, well, if we send millions of doses of vaccines to Africa, they need it. But are they going to take it? Are they going to use it? Or are they going to waste it and it's going to be dumped? That's money. <laughs> vaccines cost money. Hmm. I don't know. Of course, China has handled the whole situation the worst. Like they were trying to do this whole draconian zero COVID policy, uh, which they've not too long just lifted. They're devoting $25 billion for prevention and control activities at the local level, according to the South China Morning Post. Well, I suppose that's better than the alternative. I don't really know. China is a hot mess. Um, I'm going to share with you guys some of the videos from last week at the economic um, outlook. They touched on China being one of those countries that honestly, um, you can't always believe everything that China says. You always have to take it with a slice of something because the Chinese government controls information uh, quite stringently that's coming out of China. Um, India seeing an uptake in virus cases. Again, you know, quite a sad situation there. Um, it's, it's a time to reflect, I think, on where we've gone wrong, even with vaccines and vaccine messaging. There was a very, very interesting article, um, on NPR about this, about vaccine hesitancy. And really it was like the perfect storm at leading up to, um, let's see if I can find it. It was really a perfect storm leading up to COVID and the whole vaccine situation there because for years, 
you have had people questioning childhood vaccines and deciding not to get vaccinated for things like polio. So in New York, for example, just in August of 2022, there are a number of counties that were fighting polio outbreaks among unvaccinated people. So there are parents out there who are refusing now a vaccine. How long has the polio vaccine been around? How many, how many umpteenth years that saved their parents from death? Let me see how long it's been around. And, um, you know, they were questioning whether or not these vaccine, 1931, is that, uh, I think that might've been when it was polio. So the first polio academic was in 1894. And then the vaccine, they started a search for vaccine. Uh, Um, 1954, I think, 1953. Yes, 1953, going into age. And so there's been a resurgence of viruses. That's what, 69 years? Is that right? Is that, hold on, let me tell you if my math is right. 1953, and we're in 2023? 70 years. 70 years worth of data. Y'all wasn't even alive, most of y'all, 70 years ago. And they are questioning um, these uh vaccines, the efficacy of them, not even the efficacy of them. They're claiming that, oh, it's going to kill their children. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. And so you have people now who are refusing to get their children vaccinated. And as a result of that, there's been an outbreak of these viruses that has, you know, these viruses were essentially eliminated in, in most Western countries. Now they're popping up in places like New York. It's scary. Yeah. Polio is controllable. It has been under wraps. The last time there was community transmission of polio in the United States was 1979. I was a child then. Americans were declared polio-free in 1994. And now community transmission is popping up because people are refusing to get vaccinated. They've even found the virus circulating in New York City's wastewater. Unbelievable, huh? There's a place in Rockland, New York, where they say that the um, they have a low vaccination rate. And so again, these cases are now popping up and you know they're shutting down schools and other things because of it. And it's a public health challenge, but unfortunately there has been this undercurrent that is fed by social media because people can set up a Facebook page, Instagram pages, all these social media pages and spew misinformation to people who are all too willing um, to listen to it. And it is 
quite frankly, a detriment to humans. The fact that we will believe some of the most ridiculous theories um, is a bit concerning, but nonetheless, it's been around for the past 20, 25 years. And public health authorities have failed. They failed to recognize the dangers of it. Mind you, even before COVID, uh, some companies like social media were starting to crack down on the vaccine misinformation. There are people who were out there giving their children homemade bleach solutions as opposed to a vaccine. Something has happened to humans. We have gotten dumber with time. We have the best technology, the best medicine in the world. For the first time ever, like, you know, um, journal published, peer-reviewed information, everybody's scrutinizing this information, but the ones who don't know what's going on are the ones who have the power to misinform communities and get people on board with them because y'all just love a conspiracy. Americans aren't getting healthier despite medical advances. This is an article in December of 2021, right? There's a a, um, story here about how tribalism in American culture has fueled vaccine hesitancy. I'll share that one with you guys. Uh, September 29, 2021, YouTube decided to start banning all content that was spreading vaccine misinformation. They had to start doing this because the amount of misinformation that's out there is really shocking. Yeah, this whole anti-vaccine movement, ivermectin, the science proves that not only does it not work, but it is deadly to people and y'all are still like, give it to me. (laughs) It's just, it's, I don't know what to say. It it has it has qu- made me question how much I believe in humanity, because I realize that we just don't have the level of common sense that we should have for 2023. I, when I think about some of what happened during this whole pandemic, right? I'm like, this is a kind of a stuff I would have expected, like in the 1800s. We didn't know much about medicine. We didn't understand vaccines. We didn't have peer-reviewed journals. We didn't have government agencies cross-checking, double-checking, putting standards in place. None of that. So I could understand vaccine hesitancy back in the 1800s. I can't understand it in 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. It's illogical. And my brain has had difficulties comprehending all of that. You know, people were reporting all the adverse effects, mandatory reporting, even here in Cayman. In 2021 or 2022, we had the lowest death rate, despite being in a pandemic. We had the lowest death rate, but y'all are out there spewing misinformation that all these people were dying, we had an increase. I'm like, okay, HSA, show me the numbers. Every person that dies in this country, it's recorded. And the data is there. And yet people are saying to me, no, that data is not correct. Uh Uh-huh. They're just on a whim. 
We've had all these people. Oh, look at the funeral notices. I'm like, what? Yeah, we had 10 people die last month, you know? And I said, okay, compared to what? The highest year of deaths. Let me try to see if I can find that article. Because we had a whole um, thing on that, right? We actually had a decline in the number of deaths overall in the Cayman Islands. And you guys were still trying to convince and tell me that, um, let me see. Let's see if I can find that one. More people were dying because of the vaccine. I'm like, that is so, it's so far from the truth that, you know, I, I was just flabbergasted. I just couldn't understand what y'all are saying. I'll have to see if I can find that article. HSA figures, death reports. This is this is not something that you just make up. You can actually go and fact check this for yourself, but y'all weren't fact checking it. You were going, oh, but I see all the deaths on Facebook. On the, I'm like, huh? What? What do you mean? Uh, uh, say what? Maybe it looks like more deaths because everyone is now being announced on social media. I don't know. We were live streaming all the funerals. So maybe in your mind, you were thinking that, um, you know, that's what it was. Like, I'm not really sure. But the actual numbers saw a decline. Anyway, happy three-year anniversary. Because I don't know what to say. Um, you know, everybody that dies in this country, <laughs> it is reported. Let's see if I can find that article. I can't remember the exact time that we published it. So uh, morning to Johan. Johan says, Auntie Sandy, what kind of wacky week you got planned for CMR Massive? Can you top last week's madness? I hope not. I really hope that there's no way to top what happened last week. I've been reflecting on it. So I'm going to change gears a little bit here. Morning to Miss Morna. Miss Charlotte says, I love my mug. Awesome. Because I tell you what has happened. Um, I, I don't know. It, it was a weird week last week. I, I just... Um, George is back to ranting and raving. Um, somebody sent me a photo yesterday where apparently he's going to church. And um, he posted up about off to the house of the living God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, worshiping this morning as I'm looking for a church home for my family. Um, I, I could understand why some of them might be hesitant to accept you into their church home. But as I said last week, the churches are for sinners now. So I guess accept him in with open arms because he clearly needs, um, you know, a bit of work. Um, but anyway, he says that he's looking for a church home and um, that he is, uh, he apparently he was attending Karen Allen's Baptist church at Pedro Castle, Savannah. And he put hashtag, I, I am not perfect, but I love my Jesus. Well, I guess that's something. Wow. Um, nobody's looking for perfection. 
And what I would say to George, if he's open to some constructive criticism is, yeah, you're definitely not perfect. I went back and I listened to a good deal of that show and I listened to the number of times. I lost count quite, quite frankly. I lost count of how many times I tried to speak and this man would not. I was saying, George, George, George. No, 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 Sandra, Sandra, Sandra. Let, let, let me say this. Let me say. I was like, my God, I could not get a word in edgewise. And on the one hand, it might have been comical, but on the other hand, it demonstrates that something is actually wrong with George. And if we are a community that cares about our members, right? Somebody needs to have a coming to Jesus moment with George. And someone needs to tell this man that George, you have a problem, a real problem. I've known it for years. It's nothing new to me because I recognize the signs of bipolarism. And those of you who've never dealt with someone who has it, trust me, it's not an easy thing at all. It's easy to, it's hard to treat. Um, sometimes it's hard to diagnose and the treatment, you know, can take years to tweak the drugs and stuff that people have to be on to help them control this. And if you go an entire lifetime, I don't know how old George is, but I'm betting he's got to be in his sixties. Mm-hmm. If you go all of that time without any treatment whatsoever, and this has been your norm, and everybody in the community, you know what we say? Oh, yeah, they're kind of crazy, but whatever, right? So we tend to describe people as being crazy. And um, that's it. Like, we don't want to talk about, well, why is it that we think that these people are crazy? What is it about them? You know, any clinician, psychologist, psychiatrist that look at George should recognize that he has mental health issues. And this is something, I'm not making fun of the man. I'm saying this is a very serious situation and he should be trying to seek help for it. But because no one wants to be honest with him, right? From the second he came out of a two, three year depressive state and he talks about how, oh, Jesus cured him of his depression. And then all of a sudden you start to see the things that he was doing. I'm like, wow. Does nobody recognize that this is going into the next phase, the manic phase? I have had people call me and stop me in the streets since last week talking about George's appearance on this show. And they have said to me some of the most shocking things. Everything from, you know, even his clients, there are people who stopped doing business with George because he has tried to steal workers from their company that he's supposed to be putting in work permits for, referring them to other companies or, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's shocking. It's unbelievable. And really quite honestly, here in Cayman is probably one of the few places in the world where he could um, survive the way in which he does. And nobody say, hold on, son, you got a problem. So, of course, he was ranting and raving again after saying both on the radio that he didn't mind when I was finally able to tell him he was on air. Oh, he didn't mind. He messaged me late into the evening 
and said, oh, so everyone heard what I said on the radio? I said, yes, George. Okay, well, I spoke the truth. I'm like, okay. So I don't care. Now, maybe he got some negative comments. I don't know. He's ranting and raving about, oh, he's going to get the KC and sue me, sue DMS, sue, sue Don Seymour, sue this one, sue that one. Remember last week he told us he didn't even have the money for, for a consultation. It's like, what, what are you saying, George? What is wrong with you? Yeah. He's just going on and on and on. The man called me that night. Oh, I'm supposed to be going to this church and singing in the choir. Do you think the church people could have anything to say? George, stop being concerned about what people have to say and go speak to a therapist. Get professional help. Those of you who are commenting, and there's only a handful really, like literally two or three people, who are commenting on his social media platforms, encouraging his craziness, for lack of a better word, his delusions, you don't understand the danger that you're doing to someone like George. You're giving him fuel to think, even if it's one person. That's all the validation somebody like George requires. And he thinks he's in the right. If y'all understood what those other committee members had to go through, those other council members with George, it's no laughing matter. He was no hero on the off-reg consumer council. He was not there about the people's business. He was not there trying to fight for the people of this country. He was there creating chaos. These people have been traumatized in the last two months having to work with George. Unprofessional. The madness, the craziness. This would have been another situation, making threats. I hadn't gotten this far yet, but I'm saying it would have been heading that direction. Making threats to council members and all kind of stuff. You heard in his own words, oh, oh, they were trying to assert my power. I'm the one who called this man here. So, so, Alana, how can you tell him that he can't continue speaking. I said, I'm the one who brought him here. Y'all don't see nothing wrong with that? I don't know. We have come a long ways, and I feel like we have a lot further to go. The Quincy situation, you know, I'm very, very disappointed that Quincy decided to pick up the phone and call me. Because, um, let me tell y'all something now. Don't ever test me with telling the truth. The very name of the show is The Cold Hard Truth. If you do not believe that I will tell the truth on you, pick up this phone and call me and you're going to find out. By the way, somebody said George's eldest daughter is actually on island um, getting her Cayman passport and purchasing a condo or apartment or something. And she wants nothing to do with her father because all he used to do is beat his, her mom. Such a sad indictment. You know, those are the things really that he should be focused on trying to fix and repair. Ms. Brenda says he's 62 years old. Oh, he's bipolar, all right. He just probably has never been pro properly diagnosed. So, um, Wayne says uh, um, George gives zero Fs that day. He sure didn't. He was just saying everything, and it was really... Um, you know, he, he, he spoke his truth. And you know what? 
if this program is all about the truth, then he spoke his truth and he spoke it frankly and probably maybe the most honest that he's ever been. And I think a lot of y'all needed to hear that. You needed to understand who George actually is. This pretense of, um, you know, going to church and pretending to be a family man, all this kind of stuff. I noticed that his obsession over the weekend was about the fact that, oh, I'm a married man, I'm a married man. Well, you're a married man when you were allegedly sexually harassing this woman at work. And you don't see it as sexual harassment, right? Because you're trying to blame the victim, victim blaming. But even if it wasn't sexual harassment, your wife should be concerned about why you're saying that you had sexual interests in a woman that was not your partner, not your wife. And in fact, is one of your clients. When you think about it, she works for one of your clients. You should never be engaging in any sort of inappropriate communication with her whatsoever, even if she initiated it, which I have seen no evidence to that. I have seen the conversations, the WhatsApp conversations, right? He can't produce any evidence of what he claims because none exists. So it's a very, very um, sad situation. And I tell you what, when Quincy decided to call me and then put me on the spot for why I'm not singing his praises, it really um, physically made me sick because I know things. And I think what people should recognize is there's a lot that I don't say that I know, right? So on the one hand, I guess you guys don't know that. I've said it before, though, but you might not imagine and think about what some of those things are. So all you can do is speak to what I do say. And I guess that's what Quincy was trying to come at me. Maybe he did not even know and realize that I'm aware of um, his sexual abuse of a minor child with special needs. Maybe he didn't think I knew that. I don't know. And when he decided to talk about why I'm not singing his praises, I was like, and then he accused me of having some ax to grind with him. I mean, I just had to lay it on the line. Like, if I really had an ax to grind with you, these are the things that I would have said before and that I have remained silent about um, because I have no ax to grind with you and because you do have mental health issues and you do have addiction issues. None of that excuses abusing a child to be very, very clear. I don't believe that when you do bad things like that in life, that you can absolve yourself by making a movie that's on YouTube, or you can absolve yourself by talking about how many accents you can put on and what sort of pretense you're into. That, in my mind, isn't how that works. But obviously, Quincy has a different opinion. But it's probably not a good idea to call the show and to challenge me on those points. That's all I'm going to say. I doubt we'll be able to, to eclipse the madness that we saw last week. But let me just caution people. And I want to say this in all honesty, right? When you call in on a public platform, there are thousands of people every morning who are going to listen to this show. And so no one is perfect. We all have done things that we're not proud of, uh, whether it's in our personal relationships, sometimes in the world of business. Some of us are more of a mess than others. Yeah? 
But when you call in, people listen to you. And if you choose to take the moral high ground, be aware that people are listening, they're paying attention, they're hearing you, and they're also questioning your behavior. So even if you call in this morning and say, well, I want to talk about George now, Sandy and George, this and that, blah, blah, blah. There'll be people who are going, oh, okay. So you're talking about this person or that person, but you're a wife beater. You beat your mommy. You beat this one. You know, this is what happens. The second people recognize your voice on the air, they're messaging me saying, Sandy, but hold on one minute, you know. What is this person saying? He thinks that people don't know who he is or she thinks people don't know who she is. I keep telling you, sometimes it's better off to say nothing and keep your mouth shut. Because all you do is highlight yourself. Just stay in the corner of the class and just pay attention. Yes. And some of your behaviors are so current. KY345, Sandra, I wish you would stop hashtag George. And then they say hashtag George and hashtag McKeever. They need to be placed on a canoe. Well, I think that to be quite frank, we have men of a particular era and a particular age who in this community have been permitted and allowed to get away with a lot. Caymanians are good for ignoring bad behavior, especially if they like a person. Somebody once said the rules don't apply for likable people, and apparently so. Y'all turn a blind eye, you ignore abuses, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and other inappropriate behavior. You know, that these people get to you by showing up in churches. Them love to sing in a church choir, right? They, you know, inundate themselves in the churches and somehow that makes you forget all the other things that they do on a regular basis because they show up to church on a Sunday and they walk around the Bible under their arms. It's quite shocking, really. That shouldn't make you forget anything. You have to look at a person's behavior, like really look at it. Strong will, good morning. Um, says, what about his case? The lady said she was going to court. Well, apparently they were no show last week is what she said. So a new date has been set. So I'm trying to get some more details on that. And, um, I will certainly keep you guys updated on where that goes. It's, it's sad that someone has to message a lawyer, um, in order to get an HR manager to stop harassing them and stop sending them messages. That, that's, that's a real deal situation. Someone actually went and paid money. Listen very, very carefully now. Paid money to a lawyer to have you stop messaging them. Right? And yet... Morning caller, we're live on air. That's why Ines now Hello. Hi, caller. Okay, I'm not sure if that was a butt dial or what that was. 
But, um, you know, let me hear now. I mean, I have, listen, you're talking about all the receipts, man. Listen, I have messages for days, you know, really and truly. I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I really do not get um, why y'all be trying to test me when you know I got messages that we can just pull up. Good morning, caller. Hello. Hello. Um, I'm trying to to see some of these original messages and emails and. You know, this woman even went to, um, listen, the woman said, sent enough receipts. If I show you the vulgarity of what this man was actually sending her on WhatsApp, uh, no one should have to be subjected to that type of behavior. Nobody, nobody. It's shocking. You know, he was video calling her. There's no evidence of her video calling him whatsoever. I mean, I, I can't, I, we would get banned from the radio if I showed you the pornographic material. I have no intention to do that, but I'm just saying that is how vulgar and disgusting this stuff was. And the woman sent me all the screenshots from her phone, all the messages. How can anybody in their right mind think that this behavior is okay? Now y'all see why we need this um, sexual harassment legislation, Right. He's lying about, oh, she was enticing him. Well, if that's the case, then you must have the messages. It should be really, really easy to find. He claims that she was videotaping herself. Send the messages. None of that has ever happened because those do not exist. This is what he said back in um, January of 2022. This is what he sent me. He said, no workplace harassment can happen after 6 p.m. You can imagine. <laughs> so workplace harassment has a cutoff time when you're no longer at work. Let that sink in for a minute. Seriously. Women in this country, you wait until I play... Miss, uh, one of the speakers from last week's um, economic outlook, you, you all need to listen to what this woman said. And she talked about, especially women, what we have to endure. We are the ones who are leading our families, leading households. There's a lot of single mother household. Women are holding down the fort. And yet, we are the ones who are subjected to getting less pay, being sexually molested and abused, right? Um, all sorts of abuses, some of you being physically abused. You know, you're carrying this immense burden of working, running your families, doing more in the household than your male counterparts, all this stuff. And on top of it, you still have to also be uh, subjected to abuses by people who are your HR managers, 
your direct bosses, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, how about that? Why? How is that possible? We need to change a lot of the narrative in this community as it relates to women. Women are supposed to be the backbone, and we have been, despite all of these um, obstacles, we're the backbone of our communities, of our country. I've always said that male politicians have one of the easiest jobs in the world because they have spouses that are there raising the children, taking care of the household, supporting them. Yeah, even when they're out in the streets doing the most, up in these bars, misbehaving, whatever, they have time for all of that because they have a good wife at home who is taking care of them and taking care of their household and making them look good when they need to look good. And these women get no respect out there having babies with Colombian woman, sending her home, got a Colombian girlfriend in law school and all kind of stuff. These are real world scenarios happening right here in the Cayman Islands. And honey child, because he can buy you a new BMW, you were impressed with that and going to stay in this marriage. It's, it's, it's sad and it says a lot about the self-esteem of our women, our Caymanian women, and what we have for far too long put up with. When your own family members can come to me, your own brothers, and talk about how they almost beat him into a pulp because he had broken your, physically broken a bone in your body, broken your collarbone, broken this, broken that. And if they had got their hands on him, what they would have done to him. I was like, really? You got to wait till you get your hands on him? Is there an expiration time for that? You think that I could be a man and have a sister and her husband could beat her over his affairs, by the way, having affairs with another woman. And she dared to speak up and then she get knocked down so hard that she breaks a collarbone. You think that there's an expiration date and when I could put my hands on you for that? I kind of don't fancy so. Your own brother's girlfriend talking on the streets about how upset they were, but yet you remain to stay in this relationship. What kind of example do you think you're setting for people in this community? Other young girls, other young women. Y'all can talk about having community breakfasts and community this and whatever, and women out there and men out there and people out there know that you allowed your husband, who's a political leader in this country, to treat you like that. It's no wonder they can't say, some of them can't say nothing to Makiva Bush, you know? You don't hear what Makiva Bush tell him? That progressive administration, he said, don't come to him with it. Because when he finished dragging them over the coals with what he knows on them, the dirt that Makiva has on them, they would all shut up. And I believe McKeever about that because he done know. He been there long enough to know exactly what is going on. And it doesn't excuse his behavior, not for a minute. But a lot of them are rowing in the same boat of abuse and dysfunctionality and cheating and disrespect for women in this country. 
and we reward them with accolades. We knight them in this country. That's what they get for being such stellar members and examples of what not to do. Hmm. These are men who over the years have left their faithful wives for the side piece that they were so in love with to the point where their brothers and lions had to go to them and sit down to them and say, you got to go back to your wife. Even to them, because none of them had to cheat and doing the same thing, but they say, you can't leave her. You have to go back to her. It's cheat on the side. Apparently that's okay, but you got to go back to the marital household. You're a member of lions. You're, you're, uh, you know, going to be running for politics. Go back to her. At least make it kind of look okay. This is our reality, folks. I'm not here to sugarcoat it and to make it look good. This is what we're dealing with. And apparently the vast majority of Caymanians see nothing wrong with it. We okay it. <laughs> Miss Brenda says, imagine knowing where all the bones are buried. Oh, yes. And don't think that he's above, he's not above digging them up now. McEva Bush will dig them right up and throw it right in their faces. Such a sad indictment. I tell you what, we need more effective female leadership in this country. Um, my goodness. Anyway, um, like I said, don't call into the show if you got too many balloons in your closet. Everybody has something. Like I said, nobody's perfect, and this is not about perfection. I'm not perfect. I don't expect perfection from anybody. But my God, y'all are far from perfect when you be calling in on this show trying to challenge me on your foolishness. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, I'm I'm a bit disappointed that, that Quincy says he's in um, rehab and he's not focused on his reha rehabilitation and mental health. Because you've fallen off the wagon so many times, the last thing you should be concerned about is what is happening on Mall Road. Focus on your mental health. But this is the problem with Quincy. This is where the narcissism now, it's not just the mental health and the drug addiction. This is where the narcissistic elements of his personality will rear their ugly head. Uh -huh. So what you heard talking the other day, I mean, I asked him, are you sober? He said, yes, I believe he's sober in this moment. That's not the drugs talking, that's the narcissism. That's the self-importance. Do you think you're somebody in this community? Despite all this you've done, you still want me to praise you so you can feel special. That is not where your focus should be. Your focus should be on sorting out your mental health issues, on staying sober for more than a couple months. A month of sobriety for a man who has suffered all 40-something years with drug addiction, that's nothing to be excited about. Because if your track record is any indication, I mean, I don't want to put this on the universe as bad mojo on you, but you're probably going to be out on the streets on crack again. Primarily because you don't know how to control these narcissistic tendencies. Every single time this man starts to get sober, what is the first thing that he does? He jumps up and starts doing a podcast because he wants y'all to be tuning in and listening to him and paying attention to him. Why? Focus on what you need to fix, son. All this foolishness of 
oh, you know, um, I, I can, I can, I don't know, uh, be a talk show host. I want to get back on radio. Radio came out, needs to give me another chance, a hundred time chances. That's not where your focus should be. And so you kind of missed a beat when you called me the other day looking for that attention. Because I'm not the one to give it to you, especially when you've not earned it in any way, shape, or form. It's, a, it's, it's rather unfortunate. And that's also part of his bipolarism as well. You know, you, oh, I, I need to be out there. All of a sudden, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah, put me in rundown. Let me do this. And you can't even show up to rundown practices because you're out there drunk every time somebody gives you a chance. It's like, come on, man. What are you doing? And then you all know that after the show, he had the audacity to message me on Facebook talking about Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. Condemn me. It does not matter. History will absolve me. And that's Dr. Fidel Castro Ruiz, Ruiz, former president of the Republic of Cuba. Dude, you can quote all the presidents in the world. You can quote the Bible. You can quote in a book. I don't care who you quote. It does not matter. And history will not be kind to you because now everybody in Cayman knows a little bit more about your history than they didn't before you decided to pick up the phone and call on Friday. How many of y'all know? He talking about, oh, he was, he was vindicated from the child abuse case. No, you weren't. This case never went to court because in typical Caymanian fashion, families cover things up. They don't want victims to be re-traumatized by having to testify. And that allows perpetrators to continue to walk amongst us. Uh-huh. Imagine that. Imagine that. And then that, that allows people like him to try to rewrite history about how he was acquitted. How can you be acquitted for something that never even went to court? Really? Anyway, leave him right there. 936 Bobo is the number. But don't be too quick to call now. Don't be too quick to call if you're one of them people that shouldn't be having most too much to say. Now, Miss Hazel, she's another hot mess. Let me tell you on something. I have no time for scammers. And they come in all shapes and sizes. And they wear frocks. And they wear pants. And they dress up in the works. On the website... I want y'all to know this. We're going to start a section dedicated to scammers because y'all are getting out, of, yeah, getting out of control. You're getting out of hand. And so there's a new category called scammers. Miss Hazel will be added to that category. Believe it. And others. Um, and uh, I got Miss Hazel, the Filipino woman. Danny is going to be put there as well. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Uh-oh. That person hung up. So she's going to be added to that section of the website. We're also going to be um, this week doing an expose. Lord Jesus. You know, I really try to help my own people as much as I can, but unfortunately, sometimes Caymanians cannot be helped. We have an interview that we are going to. Um, Person just messaged me this morning, 845. 
So when is a good time to meet? We're going to be meeting up later today. Oh my God, my people, my people, my people. You know, I love to see Caymanians succeed. I would want nothing more in the world to see us all successful in our businesses and our professions and our families, you know, supporting each other, all this kind of stuff. But when y'all do certain things, I cannot save you no matter how much I try. Yeah. So there's a situation with um, Andre Espute and his companies, Andre and Sasha. I mean, I can't um, talk about one and not talk about the other because in the world of business, they're the ones who own the businesses and they're connected. The past two weeks, I've been listening to Andre give all kinds of excuses and all kinds of situations and trying to give him an opportunity to uh, fix a situation that they have created. And unfortunately, he begged me last week to give him until Friday. Sandy, please, please give me until Friday. I'm going to get this sorted out. Well, here we are on Monday. Nothing has been sorted out. And the people who've been victimized by their companies are saying, we need to go on record. I cannot deny the people of the Cayman Islands the opportunity to go on record and have your say. Even when I like the other person, even when I know the other person, even when I am trying to help the other person by giving them time and giving them the opportunity to get it together. Everything has an expiration date. Yeah. So Club Save is going to be highlighted this week. And um, I think y'all might be shocked to hear some of the details of what has been going on there. There's nothing that I can do. The, the people who are victimized will speak their truth. And um, it's an unfortunate situation. When you beg me, please, Sandy, give me till Friday. I'm going to fix this. You know, uh, we don't need the bad press. I'm like, okay. But the number of victims is mounting by the day. And I fancy that we have an obligation on this program to try to prevent you from taking advantage of other people. And if I can't prevent you from taking advantage of other people, then what's the point? I don't think y'all recognize, right? Especially when you're, when you're crooking people with money and stuff like this. You don't recognize how hard it is for people to have their hard-earned money taking, taken from them. It's not easy. Sometimes people are making sacrifices, going without food or other things in order to hand you hundreds or thousands of dollars to do something for them. And when you don't do it, that's theft. That's obtaining property by deception. And you're not in a position 
to pay these people back, you put them in uh, an untenable situation. And then you put me in even a worse situation because here I am trying to bat for you as a fellow Caymanian business owner. I'm like, get it together. But I can only do that for so long. So y'all are going to get all the details in the coming days, folks, about that situation. Really, really sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Powell says, I wonder what Sandy be trying to dig up on me. Jonathan, if it's any consolation for you, I don't even know you. No one has, well, I've heard some stuff, but, you know, you, you're not doing anything in terms of stealing from people. If you just want to sit down all day and do nothing, that's your business. I'm not concerned about that. As long as you're not out there hurting people, I don't really care what you do. Don't steal from people. Don't hurt people. It's as simple as that. If you want to, listen, some of y'all love to drink. You want to sit down all day drinking yourself in a stupor. That's your business. I don't care. It's when you either become a politician and then we care about certain things. Or you hurt other people, which is the most egregious thing. That I'm concerned about what you do. Yeah. And it's it, only certain people get put on the radar because they themselves put themselves out there of like paragons of virtue, right? Oh, there's so this, there's so that. Well, you got to be careful. This isn't about going out there digging up people's messy lives. I wouldn't have the time in the world for that sort of situation. But when you are a company, when you are a business, when you sit on an off-reg council, you are in a totally different category. And so when I come to you and I say, this company, the, the owners of this company are doing X, Y, Z. And if, if you're looking at it going, but Sandy, this doesn't make any sense. I'm confused. Then I also have to divulge that there's drug use involved here. And that's why the behavior is so erratic and so unpredictable and how they're taking advantage of MPs and their constituency and all this kind of stuff. I have to give you a full picture of what is happening so that it makes sense. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. So Andre, you told me to give you till Friday. Friday came and went, Saturday came and went, Sunday came and went, and here's Monday. The victims are going to have their, their day. 936 Bobo is the telephone number. If you are a Honduran national, um, I want to encourage you now to please go out and, um, you know, have, you have an opportunity to get your documents sorted out. Um, I'm just trying to find some of the videos here. I'm going to let you guys see. So you can uh, go and um, to the Seafarers Association. They're renewing passports. Um, they're doing all the documentation for you. I'm going to show you guys a little bit. Uh, once you have your, um, what do you call it? Your birth certificate, you know, to prove your connections to Honduras, you can get your passports renewed. You can get their new national ID 
They're encouraging everyone to come and sign up for those things. So I'm going to play that here in a second. Um, Aliana says, skin no teeth uh, and call them all out. They can't sue you for the truth. Cameron says, Paragons of Virtue, you the best, Sandy. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, it's it's shocking to me the people that decide they themselves are going to put themselves in the limelight when they really shouldn't be. You should be hiding in the corner. You know, when you're the bad student, go hide in the corner, honey child. Don't be the class clown. Because when you're the class clown and you're a bad student, the teacher's going, oh, there you are. You're not sitting quietly in the corner. You're trying to make a whole scene. And of course, that only highlights your behavior even more, which is quite shocking. Anyway, listen up to this announcement, my Honduran friends. All right, good afternoon, folks. So we're here at the Seafarers Association. Um, this is located, their building is right uh, off of Victory Avenue in Prospect, very central location. We're here to update you guys on some very important information for the Honduran community. So um, we're here with the Director for Foreign Affairs. Um, I think I've gotten that correct. Good afternoon. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, good afternoon. Yes, let everyone know um, who you are and what is going on here at the Seafarers Hall today and over tomorrow as well. Yeah, it's, first of all, it's a great pleasure of mine to be able to address the, the kind people of Cayman. Um, I'm the Director of Foreign, um, in the Foreign Ministry of Honduras. I'm the Director of Consular Affairs. And what we're doing this time is our first time actually doing this process of enrollment for Honduran nationals who are either living, working in, in this island nation in Cayman. And this is our point to be able to provide Hondurans with an identification document as well as passports. And also like the traditional counselor uh, council documents and services you know, to yes. be able to provide them in situ. Right. When did you arrive on island and how long will you be here for? We arrived uh, about two days ago. Okay. And then our mission here will be throughout the end of the week. We'll right. be here until Thursday, actually. So today is Sunday. People can come out until 7 p.m. this evening? Right. Uh, from 7 in the morning to 7 at night. Yeah. Yes. And you'll be here again tomorrow as well we'll be here yeah tomorrow's Monday that's right yeah. we'll be here tomorrow Tuesday we might take a small break yes but then again on Wednesday and Thursday okay at this same location or the same location the same location yeah. all right I would like to take actually the opportunity to thank the authorities of Cayman Islands for their hospitality, their cooperation, their tremendous help in assuring the success of this our, of our mission. Okay. Now, just for anyone who may not um, be quite as fluent in English, can you tell us all of that in Spanish, please? Claro. Yeah, bien. Desde el principio, Alexander Lappenberg. Soy director de Asuntos Consulares y Migratorios del Ministro de Relaciones Exteriores de Honduras. Hemos iniciado en Isla Caimán un 
proceso de enrolamiento y de pasaportes para nuestros connacionales en, en la en Gran Caimán. Uh -huh. Es un proceso en que entregamos la, el documento de identificación nacional, pasaportes y demás servicios consulares. Okay, very good. So everyone, um, please come out. Is there a contact number or maybe Facebook page if people have any questions that they could reach out to or is the best way to reach you really just to come here? Um, sorry, can we take a little break? Yeah, so just, um, you know, can they reach you through any phone number, contact number or Facebook um, account? Yeah, we have here our... A friend of mine from, yes, from come the on, island. Come on in. <laughs> I'd like to introduce him as well. Yes. He's part of the committee who has been helping us uh, arrange all this from the beginning. It's been a process um, in Spanish, all this stuff. That's fine. Do English yeah. and we can negotiate. <laughs> I, I got you thinking in Spanish now. That's okay. Right. Don't worry. Thank you, Director. Uh, good, good afternoon, folks. So, again, as the Director has already stated, we're here obviously assisting the Honduran nationals that live and work here, mm -hmm. those who have been here for a very long time, and would like to reinstate their Honduran national documents, so your national ID card and the and passports, for those of you who want to renew your passports. So that process is being carried out. We've gotten started since yesterday afternoon. Mm -hmm. We're going to be here all day tomorrow again. We're here yes. till 7 tonight. We're going to be here till tomorrow evening at 7 again. We're going to be back on Tuesday till 7 again. Mm -hmm. And we may, sorry, we may be skipping Tuesday, my apologies. And we're going to be back on Wednesday and Thursday. Yes. So you have. All right, folks, let me. Okay. There's a signature pad. Yes. Yeah, so. So folks, we're actually inside of the hall now. As people can see, um, they're well organized. There is um, you know, several seating areas. There's lots of room, so you can still come out and sit down in the waiting area. When people walk in, where do they go to first? So basically, when people walk in, there's an information table set up on the left and the right. Yes. And that's easy to, to identify once you come in. Um, you'll actually see people seated facing the entry. Mm -hmm. Once you've gotten any information needed, you will be kindly directed to take seat either on the left or on the right. On the right, you will be first processing your ID cards. Once you process your ID cards, you can then go back to the table at the back where you can print any copies needed in order to then go on and process your passports. Mm -hmm. After which, you will be seated on the left side of the room. Okay. Next stop would then be entering this room where your passport, pictures, and further documentation will be processed mm -hmm. and sent off to the central system in Honduras so that those passports can be printed mm -hmm. and those passports will be sent back, will be advising when these passports are sent to arrive. Once they're here, we will happily come back 
again, mm -hmm. we let you know where you can come and collect your passports. So they have the ability here to take photos. Um, do they have any, any fingerprinting facility as well? There's a signature pad. Yeah. yeah, so actually this system is completely set up to where you're going to only need the copies that we are also helping you to print. Uh, the information table. Okay. Once you go to your um, through your ID process, mm -hmm. they're going to give you a printout. That printout, along with your other copies that we're going to help kindly help you with here, mm -hmm. you would then bring them to the passport office. Let's call it, and mm -hmm. they would then process everything. So pitch. No need to take any pictures. No need to take any other documents. We're going to help you with here. everything here. Yeah, wow. We're really working hard to facilitate things. So uh -huh. just come on over. And if there's something we can't help you with, we're going to take note of it and see how we can work on bringing about a solution in the future. Okay. And then this my apologies for the, the video quality. It was a little bit choppy. But essentially, um, as you can see, you're able to go this week. They're going to take tomorrow off, but today it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You're able to go to the um, Seafarers Hall there off of Victory Drive in Prospect. And they will, the Honduran uh, nationals, um, both the, lo the local committee, as well as they have some officials from overseas from the immigration office there in Honduras, the um, Institute, the National Institute of Migration. They're prepared to assist you with um, obtaining any sort of documentation that you might need, including your national ID. Like I said, there's a new national ID. All of this, they have said, is made possible by the new female president, Madam Ziamora uh, Castro. And so she started, this is but the first, first ever that they've had this available uh, in the Cayman Islands. And they're looking to do it across, you know, other countries and so forth as well. But there's quite a number of upwards of maybe nine, ten thousand Honduran nationals in the Cayman Islands who can take advantage of these services. So, you know, now in their country, uh, somebody was telling me to even go to the bank and withdraw your money and all this kind of stuff. You have to have that national ID card. Mm, Y'all paying attention to what the rest of the world is doing? So um, people can now go and get their new national ID card renewal of passports. So maybe you've been here a really long time and your Honduran passport has expired and it's beneficial for you to keep that up to date. Go in and see them. Take your birth certificate, take your government issued ID, and they'll be more than happy to facilitate and uh, assist you with the process uh, going forward. So they're, they're capturing all the information, fingerprinting people, um, taking photos, you know, whatever information they have to collect they have, you know, if they need to take photocopies and notarize your stuff, all of that expertise is on hand there at the Seafarers Hall. So you're able to do all of that, and then they will process the passports and so on in Honduras. And once they are printed and they're ready, and the national IDs, then they will arrange another session for the collection of those documents. So I think this is a good thing. It's certainly helpful to the Honduran community here. Um, so go check it out. They're going to take tomorrow as an off day. So in terms of the schedule, they're there today, 7 to 7. 
tomorrow will be an off day. And then uh, Wednesday and Thursday, um, are they there on Friday? Let me just double check the agenda here. So Wednesday and Thursday, they're going to be uh, back there again. Yes. So um, that's that's the schedule. So check it out. There you go. Uh, they started on Saturday. We went by yesterday. So that video was from yesterday. And then they've got uh, Monday. They're there. Tuesday, taking a break. And then Wednesday and Thursday, they're back there from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. So please go and uh, and check that out. Mm -hmm. um, did you guys see this man? Um, help us find a thief. Uh, you know, when, when you do when you take money that isn't yours or you don't pay for services that you're supposed to pay for believe me you it's theft i don't know what y'all want to be calling it but that's what it is miss brenda says now all of the so-called and now all of this can be afforded sorry and organized for hondurans here but it's impossible to accommodate caymanians and cayman to obtain us visas etc well it's the honduran government that's doing this it's not the cayman islands government that's doing that uh, it's their own government. And they said that their president has given them um, a mandate to get this done. So the Seafarers Association, I'm guessing, um, you know, provided the facility. I don't know if they're renting it from them. Maybe they're renting it out. I don't really know. And uh, it's all of it's the Honduran community. They have a, a local community here. You can find them on Facebook if you're Honduran. And uh, all of those people are the ones who um, are organizing it. You know, they just took the courtesy of, I think the government facilitated them with uh, giving them visas to be able to come into Cayman and obviously the permission to come. Other than that, they're doing this on their own. So good for them. Um, it's called the Honduran Committee in the Cayman Islands. It's an NGO. So go check them out, folks, if you want to um, learn more about um, what they do and what services they offer for the community. If you guys want, uh, you know, somebody else mentioned it as well. The U S embassy says uh, Dezita, the United States embassy needs to come to Cayman twice a year to renew and grant Caymanian visas, save people from traveling to Jamaica and spending all this money. Um, Y'all need to lobby for that. They, they've always lumped us with Jamaica. You guys know this for historical reasons. But I think you can also go to the Bahamas. I don't know. I don't think it's any cheaper <laughs> to go to the Bahamas necessarily. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but, yes, you know, no hot mess. Uh, continue to lobby your MPs for this sort of thing. Uh, Anthony, good morning, says, when I refer to expats, I mean all of them too. Um, I must have missed the message. I'm not sure what you were referring to them about. Miss um, Vernita says, the embassy used to come here. I'm wondering why they can't come back again. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, Anthony says, reduce immigration numbers, and I mean all. Uh, all nationals, rich and poor alike. Um, what what is that supposed to do, Anthony? Um, so El Rey says the U.S. Embassy needs to. 
Yeah, I don't think the U.S. Embassy is quite. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not so sure that they are impacted by probably much of what we think about anything, to be honest. But I will ask. I will certainly ask the powers that be. And um, we can see from there what they say. All right. Speaking of passports, if you are a Caymanian, you know that we don't even print our own passports. Again, there's little that we do because we're not a sovereign nation, unlike countries like Honduras. Um, let's, you know, talk about the fact that uh, there's a looming um, strike that is coming up in the UK. Honey, child, I'm so glad I got my little pasaporte submitted for my daughter. She had to renew her UK passport. So the UK passport office is looking to strike. Mm, mm, mm. Hot tamales, as Hondurans would say, que planchera. Here we go. Five weeks. You better hurry and get it in and see if you can miss that deadline. So you may face delays now because of this pending strike. They claim that they're going to be striking for five weeks over jobs, pay, and work conditions. The Public and Commercial Services, PCS Union, warned of delays to applications and the delivery of passports in the run-up to summer as more than a 1,000 members working in passport offices in England, uh, Scotland, and Wales will take part in the action from April the 3rd through May the 5th. So they've listed all the different areas, Durham, Glasgow, Liverpool, London, Newport, Peterborough, Southport. They're all going to go on strike, honey chill. And then there's some in Belfast that are going to do so from April the 7th. So do remember um, that the Cayman Islands does not print its own passports, not at all, not even the Cayman passport. So be prepared accordingly. Um, oh, let me do a quick shout out. We have a listener to the program. Uh, Danny Pascal. Good morning, honey chow. Good morning, Miss Danny. Uh, you guys continue to tell me your children in particular are so tickled pink by some of the things that I say on the program. Um, one person said to me that they're Eight-year-old, my tweetum, how cute is that? This person says, so my eight-year-old used the term hot mess a short while ago. I asked her what she knows about a hot mess <laughs> and where she heard that term. Her response while looking me dead in the eye, Sandy Hill. She always says hot mess. Um, I didn't even think she was listening. You see, these children be listening, honey, chill. Um, I had to laugh really loud. Your, your influence, even my child, keep doing what you're doing. Now she's telling everyone what they like in the house and being brutally honest about it. I've got tears running out of my eyes, laughing so hard. Ooh, honey, that young lady, only eight years old, is giving her family members a dose of the cold hard truth. Yeah, now that, that's a hot mess. Speak your mind, young lady. Just be respectful, but speak your mind. All right, so um, let me give you all the, the scoop now. So let me see here now. Um, oh, yes, a government official has responded in the civil service. Says, good morning. We have made that request repeatedly, the request that uh, Dazita um, said about the U.S. Embassy coming here. 
They have made it, but no approval thus far. So remember, we can't make demands on the U.S. Embassy. If anything, they make demands on us and they tell us how it goes. So uh, just a point of clarification, it's not for a want of us asking for it to happen. It's the U.S. Embassy saying, take your little self to Jamaica and relax, or the Bahamas. Uh, those are the only two that are available in the region. So I don't know, my dear child. Um, oh, is the radio still bad? Was, um, Chuck is saying that the radio still sounded kind of bad. Oh. Oh. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right, let me try. Yeah, okay. Let me try disconnecting the radio. Give me one second. I don't know what's going on today. Um, I think I'm on logic today. Now, let me double check. I, I can't blame Flo for this. Nope. It's logic. I, I think it's something I'm beginning to wonder here, you know. Um, all right. Let me just refresh this connection. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. All right. Let me reconnect, honey, chill. All right. Hopefully that's better. Mm-hmm. Yes, morning. Okay. So, anywho, um, so, yes, it's not for lack of trying. But, you know, there, there are certain things that come with us not being a sovereign nation. Um, you know, I guess the U.S. Embassy just doesn't care. If, if they don't want to come to Cayman, then they don't want to come to Cayman. It is what it is. Uh, U.S. embassies and consulates. Um, let me see. Intense armed conflict Excuse me, Siri. How are you getting into this conversation? Nobody wasn't talking to you. All these devices be trying to talk to me. Okay. Worldwide caution issued. Oh, honey, child, poor, poor U.S. Oh, phone call. Good morning, beautiful caller. How are you? Good morning, beautiful host. And how are you? I'm good. I know I'm supposed to call you, honey, child. I kind of forgot. That's okay, honey, child. Oh, I will call you I after can, the morning I, show. I can wait. Thank Listen, you. I am calling regarding the little... Uh, mentioned there mm -hmm. of the U.S. Embassy. Yes. Because you know that touched the nerve with me. Oh. Okay. And yes, absolutely. And I am going to say something mm -hmm. that a lot of people listening, following, are not going to like. Mm -hmm. Many, many years ago, it was a different administration. Well, I think it's been like three different administrations mm -hmm. since I have been asking that our government mm -hmm. try to make the situation easier for us. I'll tell you how far back it goes. It was when the Jamaican visa was implemented, okay? Mm -hmm. Because that added another cost for Caymanians having to go to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And it could have even been before that because it may have been when you had to be fingerprinted and so on. Can't rem remember exactly when, but I know it's been quite a while. And when I recognize this problem and the expense that comes with it, mm -hmm. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a letter asking our government 
if they would consider having a sit down with the U.S. Embassy and have them come here like they used to do once mm -hmm. upon a time when they came quarterly and Caymanians could just go and get their visas. Mm -hmm. And um, well, actually, I was going to make a public statement about it. Mm -hmm. The government at the time asked me to hold off on that and to submit the letter to them. And they would have a talk about it amongst themselves and see where it could go. Of course, nothing was done. Mm -hmm. Another government came in, did the same thing, made the same approach. And I can tell you that the ants and I've called talk shows when they've been on, I've mm -hmm. asked the question, and I am baffled now that someone is telling you mm -hmm. that the request has been made, but they haven't been responded to. Because the answers that I have gotten is that they don't see it as something necessary because you can go to Jamaica. In other words, that's not a need or an easement for Caymanians. And just to make a correction there, mm -hmm. Caymanians are not supposed to go to the Bahamas for visas. Oh. It's only done for special circumstances. The U.S. Embassy has made it abundantly clear that Cayman is zoned for Jamaica. Hmm. The Bahamas is zoned for the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos Islands. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. I, I experienced a great loss when people were going to the Bahamas because I decided, and they were saying it was so much easier and less hassle, blah, blah, blah. They said, you know what? Maybe I'll do that. I went ahead, got myself all ready mm -hmm. to go to the Bahamas to have my visa renewed. Mm -hmm. And four days before my departure time, I was written to by the U.S. Embassy telling me that I needed to reschedule my appointment and go to Kingston mm -hmm. because Caymanians are soon for Kingston, mm -hmm. not for the Bahamas. So don't go to the Bahamas, okay? Mm. Bought my ticket and everything. Mm -mm. Needless to say, it was also a financial loss. Wow. And then, again, I got back on this thing, asking, please consider doing this. And I am never going to accept that it is not possible. And for those of your listeners who might find this boring, because this goes back in our history. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get waivers to go into the United States. They probably mm -hmm. don't even know how that came about. But when this island had probably around 10 or 15,000 people, Mr. Ormond Panton, our great, great national hero, he approached the United States and asked them to consider coming here to grant visas. And it was mainly because of the merchants and the seafarers. Mm -hmm. The answer to it at that time, understandably, was we didn't really have the population to justify them coming here. Mm. But what they did, they, he sat down with them, they had a talk, and they agreed they would take it for the, to the floor of the Senate in the U.S. And you can actually find that video on YouTube where it was discussed that what they would do, because remember, Caymanians now had to take a boat to go to Jamaica 
to get this visa to go off the sea. So they had this discussion and they agreed that what they would do in lieu of that visa and all of this traveling stuff, they would grant a waiver to Caymanians. And we are the only country in the world that gets that. Mm -hmm. And as you have said several times, we're not a sovereign country. Yes, mm -hmm. we all know that, I believe. So if a non-sovereign country can get that kind of privilege with a population of between 10 and 15,000 people, another we're over 100 and something plus thousand, because we don't know the number, why is it now that we cannot have the embassy come here? The, ba the Bahamas had them come there long before their population had reached 70,000. So this cocking me in the story about asking, they're not responding, I'm sorry. I don't know who else is buying it. Mm -hmm. I'm stating very clearly this morning, I am not. And unless somebody can show me in black and white that that is what the response was that they got, then please don't insult my intelligence. Mm -hmm. if, if, if a little bit of effort was being put into anything that would benefit Caymanians, we, life would be so much easier for us here. So much easier. And, and there's another side to this story. Mm -hmm. You can spend all of this money having to obtain a Jamaican visa to enter Jamaica for one purpose, just to go to get your visa or hopefully get approval. Mm -hmm. Not talking about hotel expense, the, the application expense, transportation expense, and everything else that goes with it. And you can be refused. Okay, mm -hmm. I've seen that. I've seen that happen. Mm -hmm. Then they, they brought in this thing that if it was only for renewal, you could just send your passport. That's not the case either. Maybe for 90% of the people. But again, they have the right to say, no, we want an in-person interview. So it goes back to square one. If you don't have another passport that you can travel into Jamaica on, you got to go get the Jamaican visa. You got to pay for a hotel. Mm -hmm. You got to buy a ticket, transportation, and everything else mm -hmm. to go there, get in the line like cattle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is what it's like. And be talked down to because that's how they treat the Jamaicans. And I ain't asking anybody this because I've witnessed it several times. Mm -hmm. And your passport being a different color than any other passport in Jamaica, and they're still talking to you as if they're talking to one of the Jamaicans until some bell clicks somewhere and they suddenly realize, oh, you're a Cayman citizen. <laughs> so all the bristles and the tails go down. Friend the dog now, wagging, okay? Mm -hmm. And then I told you the story already. Mm -hmm. And in the uh, in, uh, unfortunate instance, your visa is granted and your passport is lost. Mm. Okay? So please don't tell me that something cannot be done about it by way of I, I do see your question in the comment section was when did I ask? I asked this morning in real time. No, 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 no. I didn't say, I don't mean that. Let me, let me ask my question to you now. Okay. My question was not directed to you. Oh, okay. my question was asked. Oh, when did they last ask for permission? 
when did they ask? I'm not talking about last. Ah, when did okay. they ever ask? That's what I'd like to see. But public publicize that. I am just insulted that our government can get on board with everything nonsensical. Things we didn't ask them for. Things they didn't campaign on. How about just sitting down and remembering the promises that were made? Yes. The people and and let me see. clarify that these are not they, elected officials. This is actually the de deputy governor I'm speaking to. So it's not an elected official. It's a deputy governor because he deals with a lot of these matters. And he has said that they have asked repeatedly, but no approval thus far. He says it's not easy. It must be done at the embassy level in relation to someone saying, why can't we just go through the Miami office um, to kill two birds at one stone? He said it's not that easy. It must be done at an embassy. So there you have it. I'll ask for more details of when and well, see if we like confirm I, that up. I'm going to say again, this, in my opinion, is a matter at the national level. Oh, I've and got an, I've got an answer for you already, honey. Chair. One second now. This is one thing I like about France. Madison here and get to you real fast. One second. I'm just going to join another caller, but I'm going to ask them to hold on until Ms. Brenda's finished. Um, but I try to join so that you guys can, oh. It says unable to switch on with you. So he says that we asked last year, we need to understand that the U.S. does not go to countries to issue visas. We have a visa waiver program that is the envy of many countries. So, I, And I just gave the history on that. And I beg to differ that the U.S. does not go to other countries to issue visas. They have the embassy in Jamaica. What is that they're doing? They have well, one in the I guess Bahamas. I guess his point is what that's is that a full that embassy. Huh? I guess his point is that's a full embassy. So they'll set up embassies, but they're not. Well, how about setting one up here now? We are over overpopulated. The excuse cannot be now, or the answer cannot be now that we don't have the population. Okay. That was acceptable when we had 10 or 15,000 people here. Now we have a. I think we can all agree on that one. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's confused about it, look at the cars on the road. <laughs> got one, one driver per car. Count the cars. Takes people over two and a half to three hours to get from Bordentown into Georgetown because the traffic is bumper to bumper from 5:30 in the morning until nine o'clock all right carl i've got two more people on the line leave me there with those comments uh, okay thank you so much appreciate thank it so hopefully we can get some more um answers as we continue the discussion uh caller number two good morning good morning i cannot be long good morning to everyone but i have a question since trans madison is already on the line i traveled to jamaica well, he's not on the line but he's responding to my queries and i'm asking okay. <laughs> Well, this is another query I need uh -huh. answered. I traveled to Jamaica this year with all four of my kids and had to pay for visa for each one of them. Uh -huh. Why is that when children and elderly come into Cayman, the visas are free? I well, need we, that we, address. We discussed this before, and I can tell you exactly why that is. So um, this isn't rocket science. When Cayman put um, a requirement in place post-Hurricane Ivan, that Jamaican visas were required for Jamaican nationals. There's, there's a few exceptions. Um, there's like an elder category. There's one for children under a certain age. 
Jamaica quickly reciprocated the visa requirement just to be nasty, quite frankly. Um, what I find to be quite interesting is the fact that at no time did, because um, since then we have um, made adjustments like the exempt categories, elderly and the youth and whatever, Jamaica has never adjusted it for any of our people. I think that what they did was they did it initially to just be uh, nasty. It was a tit for tat situation. And then they realized how much money they're making off of Caymanians who are going to Jamaica and having to get a visa in order to travel to Jamaica. So well, what I would suggest is sorry, one, sorry. One, or, one of two things. And so I don't see them giving it up. The other thing that I understand is quite interestingly enough, um, Jamaica has been trying to put pressure on Cayman to drop the visa requirement completely for Jamaicans coming into Cayman. Imagine the audacity of the Jamaican government. So this isn't something you can put on our government or our people. The thing I will say is people like Chris Saunders, um, even Kenneth Bryant to a large extent, McKeever Bush, they love to go to Jamaica and they love to be up in the face of these Jamaican politicians. I want to know of all the conversations they can sit down, even our Minister of Agriculture, you know, we're inviting, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, we're inviting Jamaicans to come here. Let's talk about agriculture. Let's talk about this, you know, um, opening up the discussion in both directions. How about y'all open up this discussion about this visa issue where children and elderly coming from Cayman going to Jamaica should not be subjected to having to get a visa? Well, all I know, Cayman, he needs to start charging them because it's not fair. They should reciprocate it. Is not it. Fair. But uh, in typical, yes, ma'am, in typical fashion, you know, our people will, will bend uh, to the pressures of others. And um, they're not bending to the pressures of Cayman. Y'all need to grow some balls now. Okay. I do agree with that caller because y'all know that I had to get one done um, for my daughter recently as well. And she's only six years old and her father's a Jamaican, but ugh, her UK passport had expired. So in order for her to go when we went over the holidays, she had to get a visa. So, you know, the woman here was very, very nice at the Jamaican um, office, consulate office here in Cayman. And she said to me, oh, you know, you can get her her Jamaican passport. I was like, mm, honey, child, two passports is enough. We don't need no more passports around. Yes, so. Good morning, caller. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Hi. And I'm sorry to have to call back. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say something, Sandra. And I know you are not going to agree with me, but I am fair. And let me just say, Cayman was wrong to have implemented the visa for Jamaicans to come here. The, it, the purpose they gave, which we all know that's not the truth, it failed. And that shows every day. No one, and I'm going to say as a Caymanian, I am not saying, and I will never say, that Jamaica was wrong to reciprocate. Their prime minister at the time, Mr. P.J. Patterson, came here and pleaded with them not to do it. He said what he would do if they went forward with it. Cayman well, we, we can't, listen, that's the one time that our government did have a little bit of backbone because we had yeah, to do it because too many, what, what was the, the wrong, wrong reason? reason? It had so. to do with crime and that too many of them were coming here but, um, too easily. Did it alleviate the crime? Did it stop criminals from coming here? Well, no. they don't They don't come through the airports. Let's put it that way. <laughs> they they yes, tend, they tend to come in the canoes, which has always been a case. Of, some of them are coming through the, the airport. Some of them are even coming in on work permits. And do I know that? 
Okay. Well, I can tell you so, a lot of them get denied. So if we think well, we have I, a problem I, now, it would be far worse. Well, like I said. No, you know I that, think that we need to th keep that, in place. That, no, that that was a hidden truth. I'm sorry to say. That was done for a whole different reason. What was, it, what was the reason that you believe it was done? Well, not that I believe. But I won't say that on air today. But I think a lot of us know why it was done. And I am saying, for the reason that was given to be that mm. people, they failed miserably at that. But the point I am making here, for whatever reason they did it, to whatever country, that country had the right to reciprocate. And Jamaica was not wrong to reciprocate. The first thing came I needed to realize is that Jamaicans want to come to Cayman. They don't need to, they want. But Caymanians need to go to Jamaica, whether they want to or not. And I just stated one of the reasons they need to go there. And that should have been taken into consideration. I'm gonna say this and then I'll let you go. If I were Jamaica, you know what I would have done? Every Caymanian that land in Jamaica I would have turned them around on the next flight until Cayman realized we your your people need to come here. My people don't um, have I to don't come I, here. I would I would not agree with that one bit, Miss Brenda. You're absolutely right. Because Jamaicans need to come here too. Over no, fifty percent of our population are Jamaicans on work permits. So to say that they don't need to come to Cayman, I don't agree with that. No, they don't need to come here. They won't. Well, um, there, there's a need in there for economic. No, there's a need there for economic prosperity. Where else, where else would Jamaicans be going if they weren't coming to Cayman to work? I'm just saying. We've made it fairly easy for them to come here. And my point is, they want to come here. But that's a need. That's an economic need. And, and in fact, there's some Jamaicans who would tell you that they don't even really want to come to Cayman. If they had a choice to go somewhere else, with the dollar value and be able to make the money that they can make in Cayman, they wouldn't come here. So but I think I, it's, I think it's a, I don't think it's a want, I think it's a need. Sandra, anything that you can live it out is a want, okay? So like I said. Well then I don't know why they're paying for work permits. I don't know why some of them are putting up with abuses. Somebody was just telling me about a woman who came here and the employer canceled her work permit or I don't even know if she canceled the work permit, but she has no work for her. And she's out there selling her body in the streets of Cayman, mm -hmm. prostituting in order to remain mm -hmm. in this country. That don't sound like a want to me. Why would you go to somebody else's country and well, want to I, sell your body to be able to stay there? And that again, sounds like I'm desperation. No, again, I'm going to say that's a want. That's not a need. No one needs to sell their body. That's a decision you make. You want to do it all right leave me there i appreciate it all okay. right thank you my dear all right i i do not agree i think most people migrate um because of some sort of a need to do so even myself when i went to the united states of america i was a nine-year-old child i didn't have much of a choice but I was going there to better my education and better certain opportunities. Caller, good morning. Welcome to the program. Hey, Sandy. Um, yes, Chad. Okay, I, I love Miss Brenda, but I have to say, comes down to that one because it is just—I mean, it, it just looking around of what's happening in Jamaica, 
tell this why they need to come here. Mm -hmm. Because let me tell you, I don't know about anybody else going to Jamaica for anything, but I won't be going. Whether they had, whether it was a free trip or whatever, it is just what it is. Mm -hmm. And God forbid, I hope that we will not get into that situation. But to say there's no need, listen, here now is milk and honey for everybody. Much less Jamaica and those other countries that is going through turmoil because it is turmoil that they're going through. So why do you think that that we 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 need them more than they need us? I don't think so. That's my two cents. All right, my dear. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right. What do you guys think about this, Jamaicans? I know you're listening. My favorite group after Caymanians <laughs> and the Cayman Islands. We have more Jamaicans here than anybody else. Even my grandfather's a Jamaican, and I doubt that he left his country and he left St. Elizabeth to come here to come to Cayman just because he wanted to come. He needed to create opportunities for himself and his family. So he came here and he found him a little Caymanian woman to get married to. I do believe there is such a thing as a need sometimes to migrate to other places. I don't see that as a want. What do y'all think? Uh, 936 Bobo is a telephone number. Um, weighing in the discussion, I'd like to hear what you have to say. We're going to call Jared. Jared was trying to call us. Need or want, what say you? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Caller, good morning and welcome to the program. Is it a need or a want good to come morning, to the Cayman Islands? Uh, Miss Sandy, uh, my <laughs> name is Shelroy Jones. Shelroy, good morning, sir. For me. Yeah, it's me. It's me. Um, for me, mm -hmm. yes, I've been. I I wanted to come to Cayman when I was smaller, but while growing up, I thought it was a need for me to come here. Mm -hmm. I know the, the the hardest thing, most expensive thing on this island is rent. Yes, for me and for many other people, and I can't tell what. Tell the Cayman government what to do, mm -hmm. but I think they should have some form of regulatory body where the rent is concerned. Mm -hmm. Might remind you, I said they cannot tell these people what to do with their homes. Yes. But do you think it is fair for somebody to pay six hundred dollars for a matchbox? Mm? My dear. Okay, okay, but look at this again. A lot of these places that they are renting for this amount of money, mm -hmm. if the Ministry of Health should get involved in them mm -hmm. while they are renting the places, they wouldn't have they, they would have to shut the clothes on the house and look mm -hmm. somewhere else to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, the whole rental discussion is is a serious thing, but people are asking you to stay on topic. So we'll get to that another day. So in your opinion, you needed to come to Cayman. Yeah. Yeah. And it's All to right. better myself and my family. I appreciate the vote. Thank you, sir. We'll get to it's the rent debate. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, We've been talking about that one for a minute. 936 Bobo. Right. Um, give us your anybody can call in, of course, even if you're not from Jamaica. Is it a need? Jared, for some reason I'd answer the call and now it it's hold on. Let's let's retry that, Jared. Hold on one second. Um, speaking speaking of Jamaica, did y'all see this madness yesterday where there was a shootout in, I believe it was Kingston, and it was some um some money truck stopping to hold on here now. Let me get this. I'm gonna play this for y'all. Um, some money truck stopping to uh get 
I guess, clear out the ATM machine by a Scotia Bank. And they had this shootout. Hold on one second. Caller, morning. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good morning, uh, sir. Uh, this is Shamar Dawkins. Yes, sir. I believe that it's a uh, need in mm-hmm. terms of creating opportunity for themselves as well as family. And to be able to get a kickstart in there, mm-hmm. seeing that Kim has such a strong financial, um, you know, country, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So my vote is need. Need. Sure. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, my dear. So um, Mr. Manderson has promised to call us to clarify a few things this morning, because like I said, we try to operate based on facts. So we'll get that here this morning. Um, So what's your vote? Is it a need or a want for Jamaicans to come to Cayman? I don't think most people want to leave their country if they can make it perfectly fine in their country. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I I didn't want to move. I was only nine years old, so I wasn't really fully cognizant of what was going on. But I didn't want to move to the United States of America. Move there for what? I was enjoying life, walk around barefoot in the, in the in, you know, the my little Georgetown, eating all the plums that my little belly could hold and eating mangoes, green and turned mangoes to my heart's content. Why would I move to America? Because of opportunities. And I needed those opportunities. I needed to better my own life. So you migrate, you go somewhere else. Now, that doesn't mean that you might not fall in love with the country while you're there. It's possible. And then you end up staying. You marry an American. Next thing you know, you build a life there. Morning, caller. Welcome to the program. You think it's a need or a want? Well, my vote is for need because when I was back in Jamaica, I I have two kids there. I have a child now in Cayman Island. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it was really, really difficult for me there. Yeah, especially when you have to leave children, right? Exactly. Oh my gosh. But getting yes. the opportunity to come here, mm-hmm. it is way much better because in Jamaica, I had a job there, mm-hmm. but I barely even managed. Mm-hmm. But but getting the opportunity to come here in Cayman, it's 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 a little better. Mm-hmm. I can provide for them. Yes. I can right right now. I have my big daughter. I sending my big daughter to college right now. I could not do that in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and I still have a little daughter in primary school and. Mm-hmm. Even though here is so expensive with a certain stuff like rent and the bills and all these things, mm-hmm. I can tell it because it is way much better than in yes. Jamaica. Trust so me. even even though it's more expensive to live in Cayman, you still find that it's still better. It is way better than yeah. to live in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Trust me. So my vote is need. It's a need. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate it. Yeah, all right. Very good. So folks, um, those of you who who are in the situation, you're in a better, you know, I like that she talked about the fact that she's a mother. And um, I mean, I cannot imagine, but again, you know, sometimes you have to make these sacrifices for your children to give them a better life. She said, look, now she has a child who's going to university. So it's a need. Um, Any other votes? Give us a call, 936-2626. Don't forget you can call on the WhatsApp as well and um, cast your vote is moving to Cayman. Was it a choice for you in terms of, did you see it as a need or a want? Siobhan says it's a need. Uh, Miss Darlene says, exactly. That's got to be a good reason why we wrote. There's got to be a good reason why we relocate. Um, and uh, Mr. France is going to give us some clarification 
on why we put the, the visa system in place. And we have to remember when we put it in place, what was happening at the time post-COVID as well. Yes, there's a there was a need for that to be put in place. Uh, Samoya says it's a need, just like some so many of our Caymanians and the younger generations are leaving to the UK because it's a need. And you know what is interesting too, Miss Moya? Remember our yeah. seamen went off to sea and that was a need. They didn't go off to sea. They, I sit down, I did another interview this weekend. Folks, I sat, I'm sitting down with these seamen and women and it was a need for them to leave Cayman, to go on the high seas and to travel all over the world, not because they want to take a vacation, see the world. They were out there doing very dangerous work in order to make a decent living to send money back to their families. That was a need. Caller, good morning. What do you think? Need or want? Good morning. Morning, ma'am. Yes. Uh, my take on this is a little bit different, and, okay. and I'm glad that you have this topic mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. I was born I was born in Jamaica, but I've lived in the United States for 66 zero years, wow. married to an American. Mm -hmm. And um, I came over, this is the second incident I've had. Mm -hmm. I came over from Jamaica uh, last week, two weeks ago on a Friday, mm -hmm. because I was over there uh, dealing with my dad's uh, estate. He died. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I Okay, so we have a house here in Breakers. We've yes. had it for 20, 20 years. Okay. I said I said to the immigration officer, uh, I, I put on the form, I'd like to stay five to six weeks because my veranda had collapsed. Okay. And and she she said, you have a return ticket? I mean, really rude. You have a return ticket? I said, well, we don't have return tickets anymore. We go on the internet and book when we're ready to leave. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'll just give you 30 days. And that's not the first time it's happened to me because mm -hmm. I came in on a Jamaican plane. And they need to know the difference between people coming here to work. By the way, I'm 75 years old. Mm. They couldn't look at me and think, and think that I'm coming over here to work and I have mm -hmm. a house here, okay? Very rude. And uh, in 1980, mm -hmm. something like that happened to me. I came, I went to see my dad came over here on a Jamaican plane, on Hill, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And the, the agent said to me, how much money you have on you? And I said, I have an account at Cayman Bank, which had, which had opened like 79. Mm -hmm. And so I don't carry money on me. I have an account here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went to the immigration officer and reported her. I believe she got fired uh, mm -hmm. because his name was John, the immigration officer. He said they do that all the time when the Jamaican planes come in. They they mm -hmm. they lump everybody in with a uh, like like you're 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 coming over here to 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 work for six dollars an hour. I mean, I was an executive somewhere else uh, when I was working, and just because I have dark skin and come off of a Jamaican plane. My husband is white. He came in this last Friday from Denver. We live in Denver, Colorado. Yes, ma'am. And he said to the he said to the the agent when he came in, "We have some work to do on our house." She gave him six weeks, but because mm -hmm. I came over from Jamaica, and he's white, and he came in, he has six weeks, and I, she gave me one month. Mm -hmm. And I think it, they need to change that. There's racism here in Cayman. 
against people from mm. that come from Jamaica and have dark skin. Okay, wow. they need to change that. I'm very angry, and I, I'm planning to go see the the top immigration officer. They need to change that situation because my uncle David West came to this country in the fifties and built up all some of those hotels on seven on Seven Mile Beach, London House, and and, and a Galleon, and all of those. And I've been coming here since seventy two, and. I, I worked, I was an executive with the airlines, with United Airlines. Mm-hmm. And, and I sent a lot of people to Cayman mm-hmm. where, where nobody knew about Cayman. Mm-hmm. And I've spent, I've spent money over here because I, I rent a car every time I come. And, and I go to Foster's, I go to different stores. Mm-hmm. I spend money on the island. And, and I refuse to be treated like this anymore mm-hmm. at my age. You know, when, just because when of the color. Came, when was it that you came in? What flight was that? Yeah, came in Airways from Jamaica two Fridays ago, two, Fridays two weeks ago. ago on a Friday. And 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 uh, the, the, the girl was very rude. And I mean, just to just because of my age, she should be more respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, if a white, if my husband is white, as I said, and he mm-hmm. came in this last Friday, nonstop from Denver. And. She, I mean, not nonstop, but he came in mm-hmm. and he said to her, he'd like six weeks because, you know, we had a lot of damage from flooding last year. Mm-hmm. And she gave him six weeks mm-hmm. and she gave me one month because I came off of a Cayman Airways plane. They mm-hmm. are, ra- there's an undercurrent of racism here mm-hmm. and they need, they need to stop that because Jamaicans came over here mm-hmm. and they built up this country. Yes. Remember when my uncle told me there were mosquitoes killing cows uh, in, in the old days, mm-hmm. uh, stopping up their noses. Mm-hmm. And he was instrumental in helping to build this country. His name is David West. And my cousin works for immigration too, Philip West. And uh, I, I, all of my people here have good jobs. My cousin Peter Young, Sammy Young. I, nobody's here living off the government. And for me to be insulted like this twice, twice, mm. I, I'm very upset mm-hmm. and I, I'm not going to um, stop. Have you thought of filing um, a complaint with um, the head of the CBC, Mr. Charles? I'm going, Clifford? I'm going. Yeah, I, my my cousin Philip gave me his name okay. and I am going to see him before I leave here because yes. now I have to fly back to Denver and then come back in. So I can fix my my veranda. I mean, I want to supervise the fixing of it. Mm-hmm. Now, Cayman must do better than that because they should remember where they came from and stop looking down on Jamaicans. Because I, you know, I didn't look like a maid or a gardener coming into work. Cayman uh, immigration needs to know the differences in mm-hmm. people. And you and were look still traveling on a Jamaican passport. I, I did to mm-hmm. yeah to. And so, but, uh, you know, with my age and uh, I wrote down, I have a house here. I've had it for 22, almost 22 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, most, uh, I see most white people on the beach, on Seven Mile Beach. They'll say they're here for three months or for the whole winter. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're going to tell me that, uh, no, I'll give you one month. And I've got an account here and I'm not living off the government Mm -hmm. and I'm not coming into work. 
No, I'm really upset, but but okay. I'm glad you had this topic today. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it okay. very much. Goodbye. And I appreciate that. And I tell you what, folks, um, she has opened a can of worms this morning because a lot of you are agreeing with her. Good morning, caller. Okay, good morning. Yes, ma'am. Okay, Miss Sandy, good morning. And yes. good morning to your listening audience. Yes, thank you so oh, much. Audience. <laughs> okay, my take on the want yes. and need for payment. I came here 2002. Mm -hmm. First, what I was doing in Jamaica, I mm -hmm. could have stayed there and do my thing. Okay. I'm a, I was a root theater actress. You know, like Juki Jam, them and Oliver, them. I, I play oh, with them. Okay. Okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've gone to Canada to do play. I've gone to Miami to do play. Mm -hmm. At the time when I came to Cayman, I had a U.S. visa. Mm -hmm. However, I came to Cayman because of Anne, that drive bus, and Roy, the driller. They put on the play and I came here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was, the, the, I mean, like those people were so nice to me. I go back home. Mm -hmm. After I go back home, I left and I go to Canada to do a play. I go mm -hmm. back to Jamaica. And mm -hmm. then I contact Roy, I say, I would like to come back to Cayman because I retire, I like the atmosphere and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I came here. We didn't need no visa at the time. Mm -hmm. So then I came here. I never, ever work a nine to five job in all my life in Jamaica mm -hmm. because I was just like this actress who go parish to parish, place mm -hmm. to place to work. I had six children that I was mother and father for. Yes. So when I came here and I get the first job, mm -hmm. which was a, something that I love, cooking, it was in a restaurant, I won't name the restaurant, I kind of started loving it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay. And mm -hmm. I stay, I've been here ever since. Yes, I go home and roll over. Mm -hmm. I come back. I have never, ever in my wildest dream think of applying for residential status, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I just stay here and I work. Of course, I find it, um, you know, kind of better in terms of me handling my children. Mm -hmm. I give all my kids, except for one, the opportunity to come here mm -hmm. if they want to work because it was no visa. Mm -hmm. So they come. My daughter, my son came first. He said, no, he can't stay here. So Better and let him go Jamaica. Him open up in big establishment, good, good, good running business. Other daughter, she come. Well, she's sick and stay. She's still here now. My next daughter, she come. She say, ah, oh, mommy, uh, uh, I don't do domestic work. And she go home. She's a manager now somewhere, mm -hmm. right? So it's not that I did must have to stay here. I just come and I love the atmosphere. Of course, bad things happen to me here. Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband here. He's a Jamaican. Mm -hmm. And we got married and we are both here now. So I don't think it was all that need. I just want to come here. Mm -hmm. okay. The experience I get when I come here, I love it. The, 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 the atmosphere, the people. At the time when I came here, there wasn't anything like going on in Jamaica like what is going on now. You know, we could live comfortable in Jamaica, just the very same. But I come here and I, this is where I do my first nine to five job. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about going out and work. I was a hustler. Me sell a carnation market. Me run my own little store. Me do, so me don't make my money. But me come and me do the play. I'm like the place. I'm going to go on back. I'm going to go other different places. 
and I still come back. So mm-hmm. I'm not giving up my Jamaica for no nothing at all. I never, I don't even nobody don't even mention to me say try and apply for residency. I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to stay and I just want to be peaceful. I have never, ever, ever, ever in trouble with the law. I mm-hmm. abide by all the Cayman rules. Right? One time I ever talked to a police, mm-hmm. I got a ticket, a speeding but, ticket. And okay. With, um, let, let me ask oh. you Let me ask you a question. Uh, we do have Mr. Francis uh-huh. Anderson that's going to be calling. I have to cut it today on time because I do yeah. have a function yeah. to go to. But let me ask you a question. Right. Uh-huh. If if we're operating off of the basis that most people, and I don't think this is the case, but most people come here as a want. I think this is Mr. Manderson calling now. But would you not say that if if it was a need versus a want, do you not think that we would not have as many um, people trying to take advantage of the system? Uh, unfortunately, Jamaicans paying for work permits, marriages of convenience, and all those things tend to be Jamaican nationals who are involved in those types of activities. So if it was just oh, a, if yeah. it was just a want. You would need to go to all those drastic steps to want to even right. come to yes, Cayman I agree. Yes, I agree with all of that. But you see, this whatever marriage and pay for permit and something, mm-hmm. it's their choice. Them choose to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me not do it. And a lot of Jamaicans here not doing it. But they choose to do it. So it's it, it's it, it's balanced between need and wants. Yes. All right. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, ma'am. Enjoy okay. the rest of the program. You too, my dear. Have a beautiful day. All right, so we've got two callers on the line. going to ask for caller number one to be brief because I think the second caller might be Mr. Manderson. Good morning, caller. This is Franz oh, Manderson. This is How are France. you? Looks like you're the only one. You're the only one on the line. I am good. Morning. Okay. How are you? I'm good. You had some questions? Yes, sir. So a couple of questions. The first one is yes. uh, people are asking about why can't we have the ability for one person said once a month for um you know dignitaries i guess from the us to come in and issue visas here in the cayman islands explain to us what the current situation is what has our government done over the years to try to get more right. available options for us and why it's not happening if you know why right so we have to first of all take um great pride in the fact that we have a visa waiver system not many countries in the world can go to their passport office, produce a police record, and get a, a waiver that allows them to travel to the United States mm-hmm. uh, without a visa. Some countries, um, you know, people got to drive, you know, 50 miles, or, you know, all of, just to get to the embassy to get a, a no response. So it, it's we have we have a very very good. Um, um, ability right now, and remember that that waiver allows us to even travel by air ambulance or by private plane. So we really have a very good system in place. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, it, it's inconvenient to tra- you know every time you want to travel, you can um, you can uh, you have to go and get a police record, and you have to go and get um, you have to go and get a, um, a, a waiver. So that's inconvenient. Caymanians also have access to a British passport, mm-hmm. which means you can apply for an ESTA and travel in and out of the United States as long as you want for a period, I think, up to three months um, without, without a, 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 um, a visa. Mm-hmm. So obviously the United States says to us, you all have all of these um, um, exceptions and exemptions. Uh, we, um, It's a big deal for them to come once a month to issue um, 
visas to probably not many pe- not many people. There may be a rush at the beginning, but it won't be that many. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think they do this for any other country in the world where they just go over and spend a few days and issue visas. Everyone has to go to the U.S. consulate or the U.S. embassy where they have all of their fingerprinting systems. They have their IT systems. They just can't transport these things to Cayman and set them up for a few days and then and then go back home. It, mm-hmm. They have said it's a it's a very elaborate procedure. Mm-hmm. High security systems. Remember now they are checking their um, intelligence databases. Um, before they issue you with a visa, and I don't think they want to to sort of open those um, in intelligence um, uh, services on uh, temporarily in a country without having a secure um, system of you know an embassy where they can they can control everything. Mm-hmm. But just to assure the public, for the last ten years that I've been deputy governor, eleven years, every mm-hmm. time that a, we have had an official visit from the U.S. Embassy. Mm -hmm. Both myself and the Premier, um, and that includes Premier Panton, Mm -hmm. have met with these officials and said to them, how, what can we do to have an embassy here? Or you, you you have a consulate here, but can we now change that to where um, it's an embassy and you issue documents? And on Mm -hmm. each occasion, they have said no, First of all, you don't have the, the population. Now, the good news, the, whether it's good or bad, we're, our population is, is increasing all the time. So at some point, we're going to get to where they say, yes, I think you all now have the population where mm-hmm. you, we, it, it would be feasible for us to, um, to issue a visa. Right. Now, right. also, they have so told let, us let me just that... Clar- let me just clarify that, uh, Mr. Manderson. Right. So you're saying that despite Caymanians thinking that we're overpopulated and we have mm. a lot, a huge population, you're saying that from the perspective mm. of the U.S. Embassy, that's one of the reasons why they've said no. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when we ask them for preclearance, for example, for, um, you know, can you set up your immigration service here? so that um, people clear immigration um, here, U.S. immigration here, they said, you don't have the volume. You have, you know, at the time, I think we had, you know, 400,000 um, arrivals in and out of the country um, for, 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 that was tourist arrivals, obviously much higher when it comes to residents and others. And they're saying, sorry, you don't have the numbers that would justify us setting up an entire pre-clearance system here. And of course, what they insist on is total cost recovery. So we would have to pay the salaries of all of the CBC officers, all of their um, their children's school fees, everything, if you want that system um, to be here. Also, they have said to us is they are exempting large numbers of Caymanians applying for visas once you had a visa before and you apply for it to be renewed online, they have they are exempting large numbers of Caymanians from having to travel to the to Kingston mm-hmm. for um, an interview. Mm-hmm. So really, we have a really good deal. You mm-hmm. know, other countries are jealous of what we, what we have, and that is something that we should be proud of and we should protect. Um, which is why. When we people say, "Oh, you should give the Cubans some food and water and tell them to just keep going," 
those are the kind of things that annoy the United States when they see a country like Cayman, uh-huh. who they have given all these exemptions to supporting illegal immigration into their country. But that's what we that's what we will be doing. So it is so very important for us to be a responsible country, a responsible neighbor, not to support illegal immigration uh-huh. and do everything we can to to um, you know uphold the good um, reputation that the Cayman Islands has. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, I think I think people need to understand these things a little bit better. And I guess maybe it's part of a general yeah. educational process. So someone is asking the question about waivers um, and they're asking um, how good are they for? So is there a, a certain the, amount the, of time? The, the, yeah, the, 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 the police record is good for, I think, between three to six months. But the, the waiver is only good for once. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you have to reapply for a waiver whenever you travel. Right. But one of the easiest things to do then is to just apply for your British passport. Mm-hmm. And um, that takes, um, I think they, they've got the processing time way down now. Yes. And and you then use your ESTA. So, so if, we if have, you go in on a waiver, how long can you stay in the United States of America? For? I think it's up to six months. I think right. it's up to six months. Mm-hmm. But the, but the, the ESTA, I think, is three months. So you need to... Like I said, the waiver is something golden. You know, people, we need to treasure that. Mm-hmm. Not many countries in the world, you know, you travel to some places and you tell them, I don't need a visa to go to the United States. I can go on a police record and another mm-hmm. document. They said they're extremely jealous, mm-hmm. you know. Wow. Let me ask you a few questions um, mm. about the um, the ESTA, right? Because I think I was yes. asking you this last week. Now, if you have... Yes. The ESTA, which you can get for the, that's the waiver, um, to remind me of what ESTA stands for again. So there is the Electronic Travel Authority. So so basically, you once you have a British passport, you can apply um, online. The, the cost is minimum, I think mm-hmm. it's like 15 or 20 bucks. Yes. And that um, allows you then to enter the United States um, without a visa up to like two years, I think, is mm-hmm. valid for. Um so, I mean, it yes. is really smooth sailing through the control. But when, when you have that, you can't travel on uh, air ambulance. No, no, that, that's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. But you can on a visa waiver, which is, like I said, a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And in the cases of an emergency, a visa waiver can be obtained quickly. So if you needed to get yeah, a so, I mean, we our, our passport office does an amazing job. Um, with that, we issue... Um, these are waivers two o'clock in the morning to people that have had car accidents that needs to be uh, a ambulance out. Um, we issue um, emergency travel documents when they're needed. Um, I have some amazing stories of how the passport office has turned around um, applications in hours to get people off the island mm-hmm. um, that need to, that need to travel for emergencies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, we have a very good system that works. You can get your police clearance now online in about 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a really good system that supports um, emergency travel. Right. Now, what about someone is saying, why not make the Bahamas a place that Caymanians can go? So there's a few questions that were coming in yes. during this morning's segment about whether or not you can go to the Bahamas versus Jamaica. Yes. Some people like Ms. So Brenda we, shared her experience where she had booked yes. an airplane ticket to go um, to the Bahamas mm-hmm. and they basically called her a few days before and said, you can't do that. And she had a substantial loss. I've had other people messaging me this morning said, oh, my boss just went 
to the Bahamas, um, his Caymanian children and their Jamaican domestic helper all went to the Bahamas last month and were able to get through with visas. So what is, what is the, yes. what is the position? So, so you're taking a risk going to the Bahamas in that they do not. So the U S has divided, um, the embassies of, of the Caribbean into, um, different embassies. So I think Bahamas takes care of, of Turks and Caicos and, and Anguilla and some of the other um, overseas territories, whereas Jamaica um, uh, is responsible for Cayman. So when I've asked this question, and I've asked it you know, repeatedly, talking with the, with the embassy, that is a decision taken in the, in the highest levels of the UK or the, or the US government, which, which embassies are responsible for that. So it's not easy to get that that changed mm -hmm. and of course they would say well it's working mm -hmm. um so you're taking a risk going to the bahamas mm -hmm. um you know they they are getting more and more familiar with cayman they don't see us as high risk they see mm -hmm. us as very low risk and they will make an exception for us now and again to issue a, a, a visitor's visa but they will tell you um, you know, that's not my responsibility. I, you should be going to Kingston. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I have these conversations and I tell them that Caymanians need a visa to go to Kingston. So, you know, it, 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 it puts us in a difficult position. There is um, issues of crime. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want to be sending our, our um, people having to go to, to, um, to Kingston. I had to go to Kingston um, myself with my children to get their student visas. So I've been through all of these, all of these um, situations. Mm -hmm. So it, it, is a, it, is, it is a headache, um, but we do have options that we should take advantage of. Mm -hmm. hmm. Couple more questions, if you don't mind, sir. Sure. Um, sure. One person is saying that um, the ESTA is good for two years, but travel is for tourism only, not for medical. I mean, I've traveled on my ESTA now for, oh God, yes. years. I've renewed my UK passports. Mm -hmm. I've had it for quite a while. I don't recall mm -hmm. them ever. I mean, the other ask you why you're there, no. but I'm sure I've gone away from medical stuff no. and they never. No, well, I'm not aware of that. I'm no expert on ESTA. That's a U.S. immigration thing. Yes. But I know many people have gone into the United States under ESTA for medical appointments. Mm -hmm. The major thing that you have to be careful about is how long you stay mm -hmm. um, over there. Because if you stay over that three months and then you apply for your ESTA, they're going to turn it down. And that oh. then causes major issues because they're going to say to you, you better go to the embassy and apply for, for a visa. Mm -hmm. and, or you have to apply for humanitarian parole. And all of these things will mm -hmm. happen later just last week with that type of issue. Wow. So it's very important that you understand what the rules are yes. um, when you're issued something. Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. And do you, when you get a visa, does the visa go in the UK passport or the Cayman passport? Um, so the visa um, is in the is in the Cayman passport, the Cayman and then, passport. then the ESTA the ESTA is for um, U, the UK passport. Yeah, and you can, so have, you you can, can you, have both. You can have both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. One more like question. Like I said, we, we we have a pretty good system. You know, we have it pretty good. Yes. So this lady wants to know. She says that she's married to a U.S. citizen. Can she get a visa in the Bahamas? Does it matter who you're married to for the purposes of the Bahamas? No, it doesn't matter. Like I said, you, yeah, the official embassy is Kingston. Yes. You're taking a risk if you go to the Bahamas. So you just have to be aware of that, that you are taking a risk. 
Um, you know, they haven't turned many people away, but as the caller told you, they have turned some people away. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's not something that um, you should, you know, you, you need to sort of travel at your own risk. Yes. This other person says Caymanians can't travel to the States if their visa is denied. No waiver ESTA will be issued. So if you've ever applied for a visa and you've had it denied, that means you can't go in the U.S. even on a U.K. passport? Well, the arrangement that we have with um, the United States is that we are not going to issue a waiver mm-hmm. where someone has gone to the embassy and had their visa refused. So um, if your visa has been refused, mm-hmm. then you need to deal with that. You can't circumvent mm-hmm. the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, decision by coming to us and asking us to give us a yes. waiver. Because as you can imagine, mm-hmm. if we start issuing waivers to people who they have denied entry to, they're going to say, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't give it that authority anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. we have, this is something that we have to guard very carefully. It is, it is a much, there's a great benefit to, to the Caymanian people. And we need to, to um, make sure that we safeguard that, that um, mm-hmm. the, the ability that we have to travel um, on a waiver. Yes. So um, Mary says, that I think before you could use a police clearance, a police record multiple times within six months for the visa waiver application, but now it can only be used once. Every time you travel, you have to apply for a police record. You're not aware of that. Okay. No, I, 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 matter of fact, I, I have seen the opposite of that happen. So I, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. I'm not aware of any change in policy there. Right. All right. Uh, Ms. Brenda says, but every time you need a waiver, it costs $50 KYD and it's only one entry. So there is a cost yeah. factor. Um, yeah, there is a cost factor. There is a, there is a cost factor. Yes. But I would, like I said, I would encourage Caymanians to apply for their, um, their, their visa online in the U.S. Embassy and they may be exempted from the, um, from the, uh, from the requirement to attend an interview. Um, they, they they have some notices on there. I'm but, hearing they do it for children and elderly people um, specifically, yeah. so that they don't have to. Be yeah, but yeah, but other persons have have got it done as well. Oh, other persons. Yeah, a gentleman in my office just got it done, and he's certainly not elderly. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's pers- they, they they have given Caymanians a lot of exemptions and a lot of um, priority. Right. One final question here, folks. We do have to kind of keep to tight timeline today because we're attending yeah. the official opening of the John Gray High School. This yeah, person says, so um, ask him what keeps Cayman from returning passport production back to the Cayman Islands. Uh, well, that was a decision taken by the UK. Um, they decided to repatriate all of the processing, processing of their passports from all of the foreign um, um, embassies or consulates or passport offices. That's a decision taken by the UK. Um, so I understand for security reasons, they didn't want to be sending blank passports all over the world anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that's, that is, um, that's how we got here. But that's not a decision that we took. That's a decision that the UK took. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're not a foreign nation, so... I guess we can't yes. tell them every all the time no. how to handle us. One, <laughs> no, one no, final, no, no. final point um, of contention yeah. that came up this morning. And this was somebody just said that they also got a visa without having to go to Jamaica for an interview. Um, right. And they, they, based on their profile picture, they look pretty young. So there you go. Right. Um, yeah. They, uh, the other question I have is in relation to why we just rem- remind us 
of why we started requiring um, Jamaicans coming into Cayman to have a visa and then yes. how that has developed historically. And of course, we've amended it since then, but Jamaica has not reciprocated. What's, yes. what's going on there? Right. So you were, you may recall that I was chief immigration officer when that happened. So mm -hmm. this was something that happened under my under mm -hmm. my watch. And what there, there was two major factors. One was that we were refusing anywhere between four and five hundred Jamaican nationals entry at, at the airport every year. Mm -hmm. So that was that meant that you know five hundred people bought a plane ticket, got to Cayman. We said, sorry, we don't think you're a genuine tourist or you you are unscrupulous or whatever the reasons were, mm -hmm. and sent them back. That, of course, is devastating to someone who has borrowed their money, borrowed money to come up to Cayman to look a better way of life or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we said, listen, we need a, a, a better system. Of course, there was the whole um, crime situations where um, immigration crime, um, other types of crime was being committed by Jamaican nationals, and we want to do everything possible to keep our island safe. So the government of the day made a decision to require um, Jamaican nationals to have a visa. We opened a visa office in um, Jamaica. At the same time, we issued, we, we put a visa requirement on, on El Salvador because of their um, MS-13 gang members that we have that found a few of them here mm -hmm. and we wanted to keep those persons out. Mm -hmm. So it was done based on, um, like I said, um, inconvenience for Jamaican travelers. Now, if you check at the airport stats, I would think maybe a dozen, maybe maybe less persons, Jamaicans coming into the island are, are refused entry because they have their visa. Mm -hmm. So when you have a visa, you can travel um, safe in the knowledge that un unless something has changed or you have a bad document, mm -hmm. you're going to get into the country. So it has it has saved the Jamaican community hundreds and thousands of dollars in 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 wasted travel fare, and uh, and it has and it has done what we asked it to do in terms of reduce crime, reduce mm -hmm. immigration crime, those type of things. Mm -hmm. Now over the years we have amended it, we have reduced the cost. We have um, exempted um, children mm -hmm. um, up to a certain age. We've uh, exempted um, elderly. So far, the Jamaicans have not reciproc reciprocated. And I know that is something that we want to take up with them again um, when we have some, some talks um, with them because they should basically um, do, you know, change their rules to, to affect ours, to, to be the same as, as, as ours. So I think they still charge a hundred dollars where you know, and I think we charge eighty dollars or something or or much less. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the exact cost. Right. But the visa system has worked very very well. Um, it it has it has served its purpose, mm -hmm. and I think it's something that we, um, you know, can say has actually worked very well for on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I, and I understand that their their government is actually pressuring the Cayman Islands government to remove it entirely, mm -hmm. despite the fact that they've made mm -hmm. no concessions at all, which a lot of people feel as though that would be a huge mistake. Yeah, yeah, and and yes, I mean, I I think I I don't, I don't know of anyone who's in favor of removing it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we must accept that there is serious crime in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. If you're getting wanted persons coming in now by boat. 
um, who's wanted here. Can you imagine if you don't need a visa and you can just jump on a plane and come on down to Cayman? Um, I don't think mm-hmm. that's a real, not something that we want. I don't think the good Jamaicans who are living here will actually want that. Yes, the most, most certainly not. Mr. Manderson, yes. appreciate you so much as always being willing. We've got to book you to come on the show because you're yes, such a wealth of information. Time for update. Yes, yes and yes. I know people always have um, so many questions for you when you do come in the program. So okay. we'll arrange something soon okay. for you to come on the program. And, um, you know, all the best to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right. Okay, good. All right, folks. Bye. So again, that's uh, Deputy Governor. Mr. France Manderson called into the program just to clarify um, a few points here that were uh, floating into the discussion. And speaking of Jamaica and how crazy things can get with um, the crime, my goodness, did y'all see this video that we posted yesterday? I'm going to pull this up real quick. But this was shocking. Listen to this. This happened just yesterday afternoon. That's what I'm afternoon. So they're picking up the security guard trying to get him. I guess we're not caught in the trouble of this thing. But a child was in the hospital for the um, wait for the ambulance to come and help her guide. But anyway, they come back to the I mean, these are like automatic weapons. Oh my gosh, look at the poor man's mug in this parking lot. And it's just another day in Kingston, folks. This is so, I'm assuming this is Kingston. Where is this person? Oh my gosh, I mean, really? I mean, that sounded like a war zone just now, folks. Bam, 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 bam. It's like, whoa. That, 
she's on peace. Miss Dorothy says that's the Wild West, my dear. That's exactly what it sounds like. The van was backing up, trying to jump over the curb uh, to get out any way that they could. Um, it's crazy. Miss Darlene says, listen to that lady laughing about the blood on the floor. Yes, it's. I, I think you become desensitized when you see a lot of just murder and whatever. Like, it doesn't phase you in any way. Like, I'm not sure why she was laughing. Like, I didn't see anything funny about that. Um... Miss Susie says, rat-a-tat-tat, damn shame. Just another day there, poor security. I mean, you know, certain jobs there, you are at high risk being a security guard and so on, trying to just do your job, transport money. Um, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Anyway, um, that's a semi-automatic weapon, says Everton. It's no joke. Squeeze the trigger on it and let loose. Miss Sue says the crime has gotten really bad there now. Nowhere is safe um, to go. Even in the United States of America, honey child, you can't feel too safe there either. They had a lockdown in Miami, spring break over the weekend. Several people shot and killed. Um, Y'all know America is crazy with all the gun violence and stuff that has been going on there as well. So um, it's just very, very difficult. Very, very difficult situation. Siobhan says that sounds like the Wild West out there. Miss Mary says perhaps this can be confirmed at the passport office. Um, we will ask them that question. I will get you an answer for tomorrow's show, Mary, without a doubt. I will confirm at the passport's office about the uh, police clearance. Mr. Manderson said he's not aware of any changes, but we'll confirm with them. Um, in terms of the caller, the one about... Uh, CBC, which would be the ones doing the immigration control and and allowing people to land for a certain amount of time. I've already messaged Mr. Charles Clifford this morning and said we've had a caller who um, had some concerns about how she was treated. And um, he wants me to send him the details. So I'll look through my call, call log and send him her number. Hopefully he can speak with her directly and sort it out. Because listen, I, I, I'm pressed for time, but let me make this point. Without a doubt, folks, the immigration CBC officers have a very difficult job because there are always people who are trying to um, hoodwink the situation, right? So they have to be alert and they have to be thinking about the fact that, you know what, um, most people might be honest, but even 10, 15, 20% of dishonest people makes it bad for everybody. So they have to look out and treat everyone, everyone should be treated fairly. And they have to look out and try to figure out, you know, who, based on different things, they do a degree of profiling, who they should be paying attention to and who they shouldn't be paying attention to. Should they be profiling based on race? No, right? Crooks come in all shapes and sizes and most definitely all colors. So at the end of the day, a crook looking to hoodwink the system can be white or black, Caribbean or non-Caribbean. Are they being treated differently? So are non-Caribbean people, a white man with an American accent, being given six months to stay here? Some people said that that seems to be the, the norm or whatever. Um, you know, and you don't ask questions about how they're going to support themselves for six months because you're assuming just because they're white, they're going to do what? Sleep on the beach? Shower at our facilities at the beach? And then if they're Jamaican or um, a dark colored American, they're going to be given a different treatment. We have heard this complaint before, folks. It is definitely not the first time. And I think what could be going on here is our immigration and CBC officers, those frontline workers, need a little bit more training. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, she got one month because she's traveling on a Jamaican passport and she's black, but her husband gets like six months or whatever. Hmm. It is, it is very, it is very strange. No, I'm assuming now that she'll have to go in and pay and get extra time. Um, because I'm sure her husband probably not gonna stay here for the six months without her. I mean, I don't know, uh, when they're trying to sort out their, their home and whatever. So yes, I think there's some, I think there's some truth to this. I think that there is, there may be some officers who, who are being a bit prejudicial in nature and overzealous. And I've seen some of your comments, folks that have come in about this. People are saying, yes, you know, my Jamaican family always having a hard time when they come in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-mm-mm. We, uh, we, we need to get to the bottom of this. So Mr. Clifford is interested in hearing more details. Um, Miss Caller, I'm going to try to recall when you called. We had quite a few calls this morning, to be honest. Um, but I'll try to backtrack and, and figure out which number was yours. And I will give him your contact details or better yet, you could probably just WhatsApp me and I'll make sure that Charles Clifford uh, gets your details and you can speak with him directly. This is a responsiveness that we need from our agency um, leaders and uh, workers. And, you know, if the frontline workers are kind of missing the mark or they're getting something wrong, corrective training should take place. And we need to make sure that we're all on the same page. Okay. All right, beautiful people. Um, thank you very, very much. Yes, law enforcement in any country has a hard time, but that does not mean that they should be um, prejudicial in any way, shape, or form. All right, beautiful people, please enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to go ahead and play um, our news segment now by Kevin Watler, and then I need to get out the door. I'll keep you guys updated on the um, the official opening this morning of the John Gray High School. So this is an exciting day for the government. This high school, some, somebody was joking the other day, they started building this high school when I was in kindergarten. And now I'm in university and it's finally done. Ooh, honey child, it took a while. But anyway, here we are, finally done. Thank goodness for that. Y'all have a beautiful day. Hello, I'm Kevin Watler, and this is your CMR Daily Buzz. Here's a summary of some of Cayman's latest headlines. The Royal Cayman Islands Police Service is investigating an armed robbery that took place at a business on Eastern Avenue Friday morning. It was reported that two men, one of whom was carrying a gun, entered the location and demanded cash. The men then fled the location with a quantity of cash, no shots were fired, and no one was injured during the incident. Alvin Shaquille E. Banks, one of two men accused of committing an armed robbery at the Hell Esso service station last December was found guilty on Friday. Ebanks was found guilty on one count of robbery and one count of possession of an imitation firearm. Police said that they responded to three incidents where motorcycles were stolen last weekend and are advising members of the public to take extra care in securing motorcycles. In one of the cases, a member of the public found a motorcycle at a location off Shamrock Road and reported it to the police who de determined it was a stolen motorbike.
The Royal Cayman Islands Police Service is also urging boat owners to properly secure their vessels, whether they are kept in the water or stored on land on trailers, to prevent theft. The warning comes as the RCIPS has responded to and investigated reports of stolen boats and other marine vessels. Honduran government officials are visiting the Cayman Islands to assist with consular-related services, including obtaining a new national ID and renewal of passports. This historical opportunity was made possible with a collaboration between the Cayman Islands government and the government of Honduras. Now for your CMR weather update, it's brought to you by WG Charters, sunrise at 6.30, mixed clouds with sun and scattered thunderstorms, when the temperature is at 82 degrees Fahrenheit and the humidity at 74% like the forecast calls for, it will feel like it's in the mid-80s. Winds east-southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour and the sun sets at 636. At nighttime, the temperature falls to the mid-70s. Looking forward, similar weather conditions are expected. If you would like to know more on any of these stories, visit caymanmallroad.com or follow Cayman Mall Road on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. That's it for now on Daily Buzz. Thank you for joining me. Please stay safe and God bless. tuning in to another episode of the cold hard truth on bobo 89.1 fm cayman's number one talk show is live weekdays from 7 30 a.m never miss an episode again watch anytime on cmr's facebook and youtube channels for the latest show episodes don't forget to follow us online on our social media channels and visit caymanmarlroad.com for all the latest news and community happenings 